Hello, everyone. This is Greg, your host of Goddamn GameCube, and this is season four. Follow Goddamn GameCube on social for updates on the show and subscribe to us on YouTube for bonus video content. Thank you and enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Goddamn GameCube. Greg and Nick the Intern are leading the way today. Um, so Nick, I was thinking, like, whenever you and I uh, host an episode together, we really should call this, like, Nostalgia Brothers, because everything we talk about is either, like, Game Boy Advance era or, like, something from our childhood. Yeah, or, like, something we co-opt or something like that. In, like, 2003. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so... This maybe that's what we'll call them. Maybe. So yeah, I guess, yeah, new segment, <laughs> Nostalgia <laughs> Brothers. Hell yeah. So this episode, I'm going to affectionately call this one more of a warm blanket. <laughs> I do all the warm blanket ones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this episode kind of started off as a meme where there's a, there's a very funny video of Nick on our social media saying something like, a Breath of Fire retrospective? Do you want to know how to get zero views? <laughs> So we thought, like, maybe it's worth doing, uh, like, a history of Capcom RPGs. So today, we are going to do a history of Capcom's RPGs. Um, and I think there's going to be a segment of fans out there that I think may appreciate this. And also, I feel like Capcom made more RPG-leaning games or more influenced in that genre than people might realize. Especially a few years ago. Right, of course. So I do want to make one statement before I kick it to you, because you're going to lead the way here. Mm -hmm. So when we were doing research for this, I went... So just so... I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but um, Goddamn GameCube, I wouldn't call Goddamn GameCube scripted necessarily, but we do do a lot of preparation, and mm -hmm. we always come prepared with notes. And when I was printing out Nick's notes for this, I said, there's 46 pages. <laughs> Listen, man, there's a lot of games. We got to get to them. I said, okay? are you kidding me? <laughs> so anyway, um, we're going to talk about the history of Capcom RPGs and Nick, the intern, Nick, my brother. Why don't you lead the way here? All right. Thanks, Greg. And uh, yeah, the reason there's 46 pages, uh, we're going to be doing like 13 games here, okay? That's a lot, <laughs> okay? Give me a break, damn. This, this meme has really turned into uh, a lot of work. It really has. <laughs> All right, so before I get started here, um, I just want to put out a little disclaimer. Yes, we know Capcom did have a role in developing Oracle of the Seasons and Oracle of the Ages. We will not be talking about those. And we'll also not be talking about the Monster Hunter series on this episode. We're aware that Monster Hunter Stories is more of an RPG than the regular Monster Hunter entries, but we will not be talking about Monster Hunter. Instead, we are going to start things off with a series that, if you're older like us, you may remember it, but to you uh, younger gamers out there, you may have no idea what this is. Breath of Fire. Uh, let's get this rolling let's do here. It. So... Some early positives of the, of the series as a whole, I feel, is that I think the art style is great. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, if you love turn-based RPGs, especially old JRPG stuff, like old Final Fantasies, this is right up your alley. Well, this is one of those like classic looking yeah. uh, SNES titles, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Uh, I always thought the party members and all the characters were creative and fun and funny at times. Mm -hmm. um, I have this as both a plus and a minus, uh, the horrible translation 
because uh, it makes the game really funny, but it also makes it really hard to follow because you have no idea what's going on. I remember like, this is probably one of my fondest memories of Breath of Fire is just I have no idea what the items are because <laughs> I think is there only space for what five characters, six characters, four characters. What? Yeah, it's only four characters. Are you kidding That's me? That's it. So yep. like example, like what the dragon sword is the D S W D. Exactly. <laughs> and then you have like stuff like the antid oh, yeah. for antidote. I'm like, what? I don't know what this is. What is this? even mean yeah uh, it's so funny yeah like some item descriptions are just flat out wrong they don't work it, yeah. it's it, it's funny but it's also kind of frustrating and honestly i think the music's pretty freaking good i think so especially considering how old these games are um so as for some of the negatives here of this series as a whole the sometimes attributed to the horrible translations the plot and dialogue are sometimes overly simplistic like for example breath of fire one was remade on the Game Boy Advance and came out the same year as Golden Sun. Mm -hmm. And Golden Sun, if you are aware of it, blows this game away mm -hmm. in terms of story, characters. Well, also and mechanically, too. And mechanically but... as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, with that, why don't we jump right into the very first entry, Breath of Fire 1? I can't believe we're even doing this. Me too. This is great. <laughs> yeah, um, this is fantastic. So, I mean, you know, before we. Uh, jump in here. Yeah. I'm, I was trying to, when we were preparing for this episode, I was trying to think what I think I bought this I'm as a kid. I'm pretty sure you did, yeah. And now we played the Game Boy Advance re-release. Yes, we yes. didn't play this on Super Nintendo. That's right. You know, I wish I had an anecdote about why I bought this. I don't remember why I bought it. I mean, I think we we were young. 2001, we were 10, 11, 12. Yeah. You know, it's a cutesy kind of fun art style. There's guys with swords and magic. It's like, yeah, let's do it. I'm going to guess that yeah. I saw it in Game Informer. Probably. Back in the yeah. day. Yep. Probably. We're dating ourselves now. I used to yeah. read a physical gaming magazine. Yeah. Anyone remember the physical Game Informer? We got that every month. Yeah. Good God. Oof. All right. So a really funny tidbit about this game. Uh, they actually, they as in Capcom, enlisted Squaresoft to help with the original North American release because Squaresoft is better at translating, which is really funny because translation's awful. The transla it's one of the worst <laughs> translations I've seen. It might be the worst. Yeah. It's, it's so bad. For a game that's like kind of good. Right, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so the premise of this game, Breath of Fire 1 takes place uh, in the years following a civil war between the Light Dragon and the Dark Dragon clans. So basically, the Light Dragons gave up their powers uh, they're hiding in small villages, but the Dark Dragon said, nah, F that. We're going to get our powers back. And they went and attacked the Light Dragons and um, they kidnapped Ryu's sister. In all these games, Ryu is, the, is always the main character. He is a blue haired protagonist, as Japanese series are wont to do. Mm -hmm. And he sets out on a quest to reclaim all the keys to opening up the way to the goddess and to rescue his sister. Mm -hmm. That is the premise of the game. Um, so, I mean, that's really, that's really it for the premise. The yep. mechanics are really simple too, where uh, it's just your standard four dudes in a line RPG. I, that actually made me laugh. Like when I was reading through some of your preparation, yeah. he described, Nick described this game I'm reading here, the basic four dudes in a line RPG. <laughs> I think that's really funny. I mean, that's kind of what it is. That is what you, it is. You walk in an overworld, your characters travel a little line behind you, you get into battles, and you sit in a straight line. Yep. It's pretty much what it is. Uh, you walk in a pretty expansive overworld. I will say for its time, it's pretty cool. Um, you get your menus, you get your equipment. You know, you can fully equip your characters, sword, shield, armor, accessories, which we love around here. Yep. Um, Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, exactly, as I call it. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. 
Um, so let's move on to the uh, presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, as I alluded to earlier, I think the presentation, uh, even the Super Nintendo version to and the Game Boy Advance version, they both look great, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yep. Really nice art style. Well, that sprite-looking yeah. sort of SNES-looking art style appeals to me. Yeah, so. me too. It's yeah. also timeless. Like, it's never going to look bad. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, and especially for its time, the soundtrack is really strong. Like yeah. the overworld themes, I still get them stuck in my head sometimes. Too. Um, when like the battle music changes at one point in the game, I remember yeah. that uh, I was replaying this uh, to get these notes together. And I'm like, hell yeah, I remember this song. Yeah, I feel like it could be a little bit nostalgia driven. I do think this game is one of those. It it the I don't even know how much we've talked about this on the show. There's gonna be a lot of that in this where this game, I think, comes from what I would call one of the golden eras of music mm. of um, of video, video games. I won't get too sidetracked here, mm-hmm. but it's just it's one of those old-ish games where there are so many memorable melody lines and I could Mm -hmm. sing back to you so many parts of the game, but I don't want to get too sidetracked, but there are a lot of singable moments in this one. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that helps make this game timeless, I think. Yep, I think so. Um, All right, so as far as the story and characters go, listen, this is an old game. The story is very light. You go around and do stuff, you know, blah, blah, dark dragons, blah, blah, evil gods, blah, 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 find your sister. That's basically what this game is. Um, you defeat Zog, who is the leader of the dragons, and then the goddess Tyr, who it's really funny. Uh, Tyr is like, I'm not sure if it's a mistranslation or if they retconned something later on, because now they refer to Tyr as Myria. So oh. I'm not sure if that was a mistranslation, because one, they didn't have enough characters to spell Myria in That's Breath of so Fire funny. 1. <laughs> or they've retconned it. I'm not really sure which one it is, but Tyr and Myria are the same god maybe culturally it's the same yeah i don't know maybe i'm guessing yeah um i don't think we'll ever know the real answer to that hey if someone knows let let us know in the comments yeah (laughs) um it's funny you know you think of games from this era you don't think of them having multiple endings but this game does yeah yeah um if you choose to not use the agony form uh, on the final boss, you don't fight the true final boss. Mm-hmm. Um, you end up defeating the goddess in like her quote unquote human form. Mm-hmm. And then the game just ends. You get a cutscene of the goddess going crazy in the background while you just leave and you have no idea what's happening. Mm-hmm. And you fight the true final boss um, if you use Agni on her first form. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the game. Well, I do want to say, though, mm-hmm. I mean, the, I guess the the I guess the quote unquote big draw to the game is that your main character can turn into a dragon. Yeah. I mean, for us back then, it's like, oh, that's pretty sick. Right. It's like it's, it's kind of embedded in the gameplay. Right. Yeah. You have different dragon forms and yeah. that sort of thing. Exactly. And um, the Agni form is pretty cool where it takes all of your party members and you basically fight bosses one on one. Yeah. You should become like a big fused dragon guy. Yeah. And it's basically impossible to lose. <laughs> Yeah, it's very Mm -hmm. easy to beat this game. I don't remember us having much difficulty beating this game when we were younger. No, we had more difficulty finding where to go. Yeah, this you have. It's one of those sort of classic games where there's so much backtracking, and Mm -hmm. you kind of have to wander around until you discover the right thing to talk to or click. Yeah, you know those old RPGs. Go into a new town, make sure you talk to everybody to advance the plot. Yeah, if you leave the game for a week, you may never finish it. Exactly. All right, but let's get into the real fun part of this game, which is nothing to do with the main plot and is the characters in your party. Sure. Because they are all very fun and very quirky. The first one, obviously, is Ryu. He's the recurring character in the franchise. And as we said, he can turn into a dragon. Um, you don't get the dragon par- powers to a little bit further into the game. Yep. Like you don't start with them and they get progressively stronger. Then you know, if you have fire dragon, your ice dragon, your thunder dragon. What's really interesting about this too is um, the power of these dragons, like, 
Fire is for some reason just the weakest. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't do as much damage. And thunder is the strongest. So if you're just want to do damage, you choose thunder every Isn't time. magic damage in this game set? It's all set. Because there's no exactly. resistance. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. yeah, like some enemies have weaknesses, but no enemies have resistances. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So chances are you're just going to pick thunder and thunder dragon and just, just rock. Yeah, yep. exactly. Otherwise, uh, Ryu is your stereotypical JRPG protagonist who never says a word the entire yep, game. Swings the sword, has the dragon powers. Next. That's it. Yep. Yep. Next is Nina, another recurring character throughout this franchise. She's typically a winged woman from the city of Windia, though in this game it's Windland. Not yep. sure why. They probably change it to Windia later mm -hmm. on. I don't know why town names can have more than four characters, but items can't. Oh, that's actually really funny. I didn't think about that. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's W-I-N-L-N or something. That'd be really funny. I don't know. <laughs> Um, in every game, she's some sort of magic user. In mm -hmm. this one, she's a healer. Mm -hmm. And on, it's really funny. At the beginning of the game, you basically have to use the earthquake key to do damage. That's really funny. I remember like as a kid, like because you obviously can't fit the word earthquake key in an right. item description. You In combat, if you want Nina to do damage, you're always going to your items, selecting the E key. <laughs> and as a kid, I'm like, what is that? Right? Oh, I mean, it's the earthquake, earthquake key. key. I don't yeah. understand. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, it does, again, set damage to an entire enemy party. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and later on in the game, very late in the game, she undergoes a transformation and she can then turn into a bird mm -hmm. in on the overworld, which kind of acts as an airship. Yep. Kind of cool. Um, the next guy, this is my dude, Bo, who is a wolf with a bow. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact about this guy, because of the character limit, his name is actually supposed to be Gilliam. What? But it doesn't fit. So Are you just, serious? Yeah, it's supposed to be Gilliam. Wow. Um, but he is Bo. Without a W, by the way. It's just B-O. 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 Um, he is the first character that you get that can use attack magic, and he is incredibly useful mm -hmm. when you get him. He's probably going to be your strongest party member. Because for some reason, they chose to give someone with very high standard attack power very good magic for that part of the game. So you become just this totally overpowered character. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, What's really funny is he never learns another spell. Yeah. He just, well, I feel like he's, he helps you out early game and then he gets phased out. And he drops off, which yep. we'll get to that. It's really interesting and it's kind of weird how they did the party members in this game. Mm -hmm. Next character you get is Karn. He's a human uh, and a thief. You can't steal from enemies in combat, which is kind of funny, mm -hmm. but he can open locked doors and whatever. Uh, eventually, he gets some very strange and very unique power called Fusions where he can fuse with your animal party members. It's really weird. It's very strange. We'll get to that after we uh, talk to all, about all these party members a little bit. Next, this guy's funny. This is Gobi, who is a fishman. Uh, the fishmen are the merchants. And you get this guy during a part of the game where you cannot travel underwater because you don't have gills. So you need Gobi to go get gills for you. It's bizarre. <laughs> just just listen, listen, that's just what it is, okay? Yeah, just Deal with it. Yep. <laughs> Um, and he has fishy magic in, in battle, cannot be used on land. Just he can literally water. just send swarms of fish at people. It's really weird. <laughs> it's really weird. And eventually it becomes a big fish to travel underwater with. Mm -hmm. like, fine. Uh, next guy is Ox, who is this big hulking dude, and he has a giant hammer. So he's pretty cool. He's like a tank. Some has a little healing magic. I don't think he, there's really much about him aside that he's big and hits people with a hammer. Yep. That's kind of it. Um, Next is probably the best character in the game. Her name is Blue, a.k.a. Uh, Dias. Dice. Dias. 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 I have no idea. Whatever, whatever that word is that means God, D-E-I-S. Yes. Right? That's what I think they're pulling from. That is this character. Uh, her name is Blue in this game due to 
You guessed it. Tra a funky translation. Yep. Of course. And she is your magic user. Mm -hmm. You know, Bo got you started with the attack magic, but Blue is the one who's going to learn a whole bunch of spells. Mm -hmm. They actually integrated it pretty well because Blue is a legendary sorcerer. Uh, but when you get her, she like doesn't really remember who she is. Mm -hmm. So as you level up, it does the, oh, she remembered more spells kind of oh, thing yeah, as she yeah, levels yeah. up. Kind of cool. Um, she is pretty much the character who's always going to be in your party once you get her. Mm -hmm. The last character, oft forgotten, is Magu. He's a mole. He's a mole with claws. <laughs> exactly. That's all he does. He scratches people and he can dig holes. That's what he does. What's really weird about these characters is after a certain point, your animal characters start becoming pretty useless. Like Bo doesn't learn any spells. So once you get stronger, he becomes a little, little bad. Ox doesn't learn any spells other spells either he's just a big guy with a hammer he can't do much as we said Gobi is pretty useless when you're not in water but Karn throughout the overworld will find other members of his clan will that will teach him how to fuse mm -hmm. with other party members so your uh, those other animals they won't just be sitting as dead weight in your reserves they'll actually become a usable party member just as Karn it's weird right which is really weird what do you think about that it's I don't know yeah. where I think they were trying to do the they're trying to do that. Hey, he you think he's just a thief guy, yeah. but there's something secret going on. Yeah. They have like, I don't know, some ancient whatever. Yeah. And it kind of becomes this thing where, OK, um, do you fuse your party members together to make the dragon agony or whatever? Yeah. And do you fuse your party members together? Does the does the fused animal have a name? Or is it just Karn? They have such weird names. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, they have really strange names. I don't know if it's translation error, but they're very know. odd names. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they're they're powerful. It's fine. Yeah. It is definitely weird. I've never seen that before. Yeah. Your party essentially becomes a like Ryu, Blue, and and whoever the morphed guy is. Yeah. Essentially. Then, yeah, Ryu, Blue, morphed guy, and then Nina. Yeah. Pretty much, mm -hmm. pretty much your party for the rest of the game. Because Magu, unfortunately, is kind of useless. Mm -hmm. Poor guy. Cool guy, though. Yeah. Cool guy, just not that good. Um, you know, the last thing before we move on to Breath of Fire 2. Apparently, Breath of Fire 1 is considered a pioneer of the good guys versus evil religion story that we see so much of. If you think about it, it must have been one of the first early 90s RPG. When did this game come out? Oh, geez. 93? 96, maybe? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, maybe mid-90s. Okay. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. pretty cool. All right. Any any thoughts on Breath of Fire 1 before we move on? Yeah. You know, I was, I was kind of having a nostalgia thought when yeah. we were preparing for this. We played this game very young. We, mm -hmm. I was probably... Ooh, eight or nine you were probably 10 or 11 yeah or maybe a little younger and what i find interesting about this game is how you and i were very prepared to play turn-based games because pokemon was one of our first games That's and true. pokemon is turn-based yes so true. i was thinking to myself wh why or how did nick and i like understand what turn-based games were mm. why were we into them true i think it's because pokemon was yeah. and so we were very used to that sort of game mm -hmm. so i think for me this game as a kid it was really just a continuation of Pokemon mm -hmm. where it's a strategy game. Yep. You have spells mm -hmm. or abilities. You yep. walk around and talk to people mm -hmm. and it's kind of the, a similar game. Yeah. And we were kind of used to, we were kind of ready for it. Yeah. Even, you're right. I, I don't really, I, I, you know, I have a weird thought. Not, it's not weird. It's okay. more of, I have, I only have one memory of this game. Sure. Actually two. Two. Okay. You fish for the best weapons and oh armor. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like you fish <laughs> dragon weapons and armor out of wells. Yes. I, it's really weird. That's right. And the other nostalgia thought I remember, I remember like faking, uh -oh. <laughs> I remember faking sick so I didn't have to go to baseball practice. 
And I remember like backtracking into some crypt and figuring out the story. Oh. And I was really excited for you to come home so I could tell you that we I found out how to continue. Honestly, I was probably more excited about that than I was about whatever happened at baseball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's all that I have a Breath of Fire one. Yeah. I mean, I I mean this game obviously it's old. You can play it on GBA. You can also play it on like Nintendo Switch Online, the uh, Super Nintendo version. I guess for me, because this is like my first, we're not counting Pokemon, my first JRPG. So I kind of hold it like right there in I my heart. Very high regard. It's not a bad game. It's just old and kind of primitive. Yeah. Is, is this the one Game Boy Advance cartridge where our battery died yes. and we bought another one? We had to buy another one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I recommend you play this game if you like the turn-based RPG stuff. Yeah. And this is one of those turn-based RPGs that I'm surprised more people haven't played. Yeah. Um. But anyway, let's yeah. move on to two. All right. We're going to move on to... Breath of Fire 2, mm -hmm. which... This game's kind of fucked up. This is, a, this is a game where I believe I actually said this on our Game Boy Advanced episode. I'm surprised our parents let us play this game because it's kind of fucked up. They don't give a shit. No, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this was another uh, Super Nintendo RPG that we played on the Game Boy Advance. It came out in the early 2000s, probably a year or two after Breath of Fire 1. And again, Squaresoft helped with the translation, which was also bad. It's terrible. Two, I don't know if it's worse than one, but it's still really freaking Did bad. Did they have more characters this time for items? I think they did. Ooh, they might have. I think so. I think they did. Yep. Um, technically, this game is a sequel. Um, there's not a ton of tie-ins to the first game, but we'll get to that. But allegedly, it takes place 500 years after Breath of Fire 1. I Fine. know, it's just, just... Fine. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you could have told me 20 and I would have believed yep. you, honestly. But yeah, so Breath of Fire 2, the the premise of this game is the Dragon Clan is basically gone um, and there's only save statues. That's the only remnant of the Dragon Clan. And they'll say, hey, what's up? No one prays the Dragon God anymore. Mm -hmm. And everybody prays to Saint Eva, mm -hmm. which is the new religion sweeping the nation, mm -hmm. which we will get to. Um, so you begin the game as a young boy and you're the uh, I believe you're the foster son I'm not sure if you're actually his blood relative mm -hmm. son of the priest of Gate uh, named Gainer. So eventually uh, in your search in this little prologue, you find your sister and you're attacked by a monster. So once all that happens, Ryu falls asleep under the dragon. And then when he wakes up, no one in the town recognizes him. Hmm. Honestly, I have no idea what happened. I don't I, know. I have no idea if this is a dream sequence and this is why. You meet another character who becomes a mainstay party member. His name is also Bo <laughs> or Bao. He is a dog with a bow. I'm not sure they're being, if it's, they're being cute here. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's Bao. His name is spelled B-O-W. Yeah. So I'm not sure if it's Bao, like dog, dog Bao, Bao, right? Yeah. <laughs> or Bo, because he uses a bow. It's probably on purpose. Yeah. For some reason, the translation got this joke right, but nothing yeah. else, mm -hmm. which is really funny. And with him, you're still kids. You go off and find this cave where you encounter one of the game's main, I guess, main antagonist, the demon Baruberry. Mm -hmm. And allegedly, from what it looks like in the cutscene, he beats the shit out of you and Bao, Bo. And uh, that's where it ends. That's mm -hmm. where the little prologue thing ends. I've I've looked at it online. No one has any idea what this prologue even means. Okay. Like, why is it there? Is it a dream? No one knows. Okay. So we just kind of say, yeah. It's there. Fine. Fine. That's what it is. <laughs> so many years later, Ryu and Bao are living in the first hometown. Yep. <laughs> they're, they're what's called rangers, and they perform odd jobs like rescuing pets and all that good stuff. 
Uh, there's a item stolen from a wealthy man called Trout. Not Mike Trout. But, <laughs> and, you know... <laughs> A lot of baseball references in this yeah, one. Unexpected baseball references in this episode. And you know, for this game, I'm surprised Trout was not a fish man. Yeah. But he is not a fish he's man. Not. And Bao is framed for the crime. So you spend the first part of the game trying to liberate Bao and find the real thief. Mm-hmm. And then you continue on afterward to find the demon from the intro. Mm-hmm. So as far as mechanics go, it is a, pretty much the same as Breath of Fire 1. Four dudes in a line RPG. Yep. Although with this one, you can set formations. Okay. Which is a little different. I'm going to start like saying, saying that about four dudes in a line. line. (laughs) Hey, that's what it is. Um, There's a few other things to combat that breath of fire. One didn't have every character has a special skill. Mm -hmm. The usefulness of them uh, varies. varies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like reuse, for example, is guts. Mm -hmm. And um, he uses that to recover HP in combat, Mm -hmm. which can also fail mm-hmm. so it's uh, not it's interesting super great um there's also a town building mechanic which then became a mainstay of the series mm-hmm. and you can once you get access to the town you choose how you want to build it and you choose the residents of the town which un- is actually pretty cool you can unlock different buildings such as a sound room mm-hmm. you can unlock armories yep. and item shops stuff like that and the town eventually We'll get to it. Eventually becomes a very important part of this game if you want to get the true ending. Which is stupid. But it's stupid, kind of Silent Hill UFO kind of awesome. ending-like, but it's kind of awesome. Yeah. But but we'll get to it. Um. So it, oh, I should say the town is not a chore to play. I yeah, will say it. it's a it's mini fun. game, and I think it's actually totally fine. Mm-hmm. It's not invasive at all. You don't you don't have to do it, mm-hmm. which is great. Um. As far as the presentation goes, I think literally the same thing I said about Breath of Fire One. I think the game looks great. The graphics are a little enhanced, and I think the music is actually incredibly strong. Yep. I think it's stronger than the first one, and we actually used one of the tunes in our Game Boy Advance episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good song. A very good OST, I should say, yeah. and very good presentation. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's get to the, so let's get to the story a little bit. Yep. The story is a little bit more involved and more advanced than Breath of Fire 1, which is pretty good. It actually tells a pretty decent story. There's a lot of demons, purple people, purple people. People turning into demons yep. <laughs> and lots of really screwed up stuff that young us probably shouldn't. We probably seen. glazed over it. Yeah, we have no idea because I, I replayed it, you know, for the purpose of this. I'm like, yeah, this game is fucked up, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, we did not understand this. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, the really annoying part is the beginning of the game because there is a lot of backtracking. Yeah. And because the encounter rate is so high. Yeah. You're battling monsters every two seconds and it just becomes it's irritating. Short. It's one of those where if. I played it for the first time when I was older. I'm not sure if I could have gotten through it because it was mm. so annoying. Yeah. I recommend you play this game on some sort of device where you can fast forward. Like uh, um, video game preservation. Yes, exactly. Yep. That makes it a little bit easier. Uh, like Breath of Fire 1, there are multiple endings and mm-hmm. there are three of them in this one. So let's uh, let's go to the standout moments and then we'll get to some endings, shall mm-hmm. we? So for me, uh, Rand's mom dying like she pushes open doors for you and gets squished that's like a memory yeah, I, have I remember that from my childhood which is mm-hmm. crazy mm. um and then nina's sister mina sacrificing herself to become i know mina sacrificing herself to become the great bird in nina's place yeah i remember that too um and then taiga and another per- member of um his resistance group dying in the saint eva church mm. up toward the climax of the game and one of my favorite gameplay integration moments is having to carefully not 
kill Ryu's dad in this one battle. Yeah, there's like a boss battle where I think he's 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 a part of the boss battle, but you're you're supposed to avoid damaging yes, him. You're exactly. trying to kill everything else around him. Yep. He, which is really cool. Exactly. Well, I I don't think they tell you to do they that. They don't. You can you just do, see him. You can figure it out. It's pretty cool because this game does not hold your hand. In that battle, no. you literally see him hanging there. Yeah. And you, in your head, you should say, you should be thinking, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. I recognize this guy from somewhere. Yep. It's pretty tough because you have to use like single target spells. Yep. Because if you use your most powerful spells, which are usually multi-target, you're going to kill him. Yep. He can take a couple hits, but, mm -hmm. you, and if you kill him, it's fine. The game continues. Mm -hmm. You just cannot get the secret ending mm -hmm. if you kill him. Yeah. And I want to say, actually, before I get into my favorite story moment, do you have any story moments of your own or anything else you want to remark well, on? The moment that jumps out to me is Rand's mom pushing the walls back. Yeah. I remember that mm -hmm. as a kid. Right. Actually making sense. It. It get, I know. Right? <laughs> Wait a minute. What, what, Can what? I actually bring up? It's it's oh, not no. an impactful story moment, but I think it's a it's a translation moment that oh, no. jumps out to me. That's really funny. Oh no! I think this is from the second one. Okay. Do you remember? I think you're in some sort of underground sewer or well, okay. and you get this weapon where instead of critting, you toasted. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, like I when do you, remember instead that. Instead of crit, it says toasted. toasted. <laughs> what does that mean? I, I don't know. Does that mean like the blade is bad? I, I don't know. Toasted. You, remember you know, that now, that, now that you say that, I remember another really funny translation thing where if an enemy attacks you twice in combat, in combat it's called egg beater. It's so I don't weird. know what that means. I don't either. <laughs> Anyway, so let's get to the ending here because I actually love this ending. Mm -hmm. I think I'm a big fan of like these epic feeling endings mm -hmm. and that's what you get with the ending of this game. So the main antagonist, as we as we said, the main antagonist of this game is the religion of St. Eva mm -hmm. with the two major demons being uh, Baruberry mm -hmm. and Death Evan. Yeah. And in the game's final dungeon, you find Baruberry mm -hmm. and you have the choice to fight him solo with Ryu or with your party. That's awesome. And I thought that was so That's cool. fucking awesome. Uh, the battle's a little easier if you do it solo. Well, easier is a tough word. Yeah. Baruberry is not as strong mm -hmm. if you, you pick choose your to poison. fight him solo. Yeah. yeah. But it's still pretty tough to beat this guy solo. It's epic though. Beating him one-on-one -on -one, just mm -hmm. like sword to demon. That's mm -hmm. it. It's mm -hmm. so cool. And I believe that's the only way you can get the dragon sword is if you yep. beat him one-on-one, -on -one, yep. which is pretty cool. And then you get to the actual ending of the game where you face off against Death Evan, mm -hmm. which is, they they spell it as Evan, which is kind of funny. Yeah. But um, where your party member that's with you, they're killed. Like mm -hmm. he kills all of your party members. And then it's just this scene of Ryu just charging at Death Evan. I remember Evan. this cutscene yeah, very well, this the, cinematic. Yeah. with yeah. The, There's stuff blowing up all around you. There's the music playing in the background. He gets to Death Evan and it just cuts. The mm -hmm. music cuts and he just, Slashes Death Evan across the face. Mm -hmm. it, that's like one of my favorite moments mm -hmm. in uh, of like gaming stories, I mm -hmm. think. Um, and then Death Evan comes back as the evil demon he is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And they always do this. You have to have gotten the infinity dragon form mm -hmm. to, in order to progress. Mm -hmm. If you don't, you cannot do this next part. Yep. Um, we'll talk about infinity for a little bit. Infini, in inf whatever the heck it's called. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's probably a translation error. Mm -hmm. You have to get it inside the final dungeon, but you can miss it. Yeah. If you miss it, 
you have to go back and get it, mm -hmm. which is really obnoxious. I'm surprised it, it's not forced. Yeah. It kind I'm, of essentially is. Yeah, exactly. Because mm -hmm. you cannot beat the final boss without it. Mm -hmm. Once you use it in combat, you don't actually turn into a dragon, but you revive all your party members. They come rushing in and then you can face Death Evan proper and mm -hmm. finish the game. Yeah, it's cool. So now let's talk about the endings of this game. Yep. Okay, so the first ending is actually a pretty comical one. It's a joke do, ending. Do you want to? Yeah, yeah, there's a joke ending where essentially you approach the final dungeon and then you're asked, like, do you want to go in here and face the demon? You can just say no. <laughs> and then, like, if you say no, essentially the world ends. And right. then, <laughs> it's, I don't, it's stupid. Yeah, you get like a little, uh, not a cutscene. you get like an image with the final boss on it and a bunch of monsters and it says stuff like, and the world eventually went to ruin because Ryu wouldn't get off his ass. It's really it's funny. It's pretty funny. Yep. Uh, the second ending is the standard slash sad ending. You beat the final boss, but they say Death Evan, while defeated, there's still a little piece of him left in mm -hmm. infinity. And because um, the dragon guarding the gate has left, mm -hmm. which actually is revealed to be Ryu's mom, mm -hmm. she has to leave for you to get into the dungeon. So now there's no dragon protecting the gate. So Ryu chooses to turn into a dragon and protect the gate just like his mom did. Mm -hmm. And he goes to sleep forever, basically. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so it's a sad ending of the game. The third ending is really is stupid. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> you have to have done the entirety of the town building side quest and you have to have saved your dad, Gainer, from that boss fight. Mm -hmm. Because once you do the town side quest, you uncover a well where there's this hidden mechanism and you don't know what to do with it. When you save your dad, he goes there and he tells you, I know what to do with this. I can make the town fly. <laughs> so at the very end of the game, you come out of infinity and reuse like, we have to protect the in front in front of the thing. I have to turn into a dragon, blah, blah. But before you can do that, the fucking town comes in and goes in front of the gate. <laughs> It's really comical. Honestly, it's pretty great. Amazing. I kind of love it, yeah. to be honest. I think, I mean, the sad slash standard ending is probably the quote unquote canon, like the canon or like the ending that I feel best suits the theme of the game. This yeah. game is pretty melancholy and bleak. Mm -hmm. I feel like it suits the game a lot, but this ending is pretty funny and mm -hmm. it is a reward for doing the town yeah. quest. Mm -hmm. So let's get into some of these characters, shall we? Mm hmm. Um, again, like Breath of Fire 1, there is a fantastic cast of really funny characters. And the difference here is, I mean, while they all have varying degrees of usefulness, they don't just drop off the face of the earth like they did in Breath mm -hmm. of Fire 1. So first we have Ryu, who is just like Breath of Fire 1. He's your sword-wielding blue-haired protagonist who can turn into a dragon. But dragon powers are very different in this game. Mm -hmm. And it kind of makes sense with the world. The dragons are basically gone. Mm -hmm. So you can only call upon their power every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And you can only cast it once uh, to use all of his AP in combat. Mm -hmm. If you recover it, you can use more, but that's mm -hmm. essentially how it works. Uh, Nina comes back and she is a, your, your mage. She's not a healer in this game, but she is an offensive mage. Mm -hmm. And her thing is she is a princess of Windia, but she has black wings, which means she's an exile, which is why she wanted to become the great bird. Yep. Uh, next, uh, we have, well, as you mentioned, we have Bo, Bao, whatever his name is. He's, he's a dog with a bow. He's a dog with a bow. <laughs> uh, he's a dog with a bow who has healing magic. Mm -hmm. um, he can also hunt on the overworld, which is kind of fun. Mm -hmm. He can like shoot beasts and whatever to get meat, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. Um, he is unavailable for the first part of the game because of he is in hiding yep. from being accused of a crime. Uh, next, we have Cat, who is a strong and fast tiger-like person. Mm -hmm. Her name is Cat. She's a cat. She's a cat. 
She's a very useful party member. She has some of the highest attack power and speed combos in the game, but she is extremely frail. Mm -hmm. Um, she has a cool part in the beginning of the game where you can save her from a poison needle in the arena. Yep. If you, it's kind of, it's kind of dumb. There's not a ton of consequence for not saving her. She just is comes later. She just comes later on in the game. So it doesn't mm -hmm. really matter all that much. Funnily enough, she actually has access to offensive magic. Yeah. Only three of the most powerful spells in the game. She might be able to have the AP to use them by the time you hit the last dungeon. Yep. Uh, next, we have our guy. This is our guy. Rand. Rand's the man. He is this giant bar bipedal armadillo man. Yeah, I called him the elephant man. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he fights with fists. Yeah, he's Honestly, awesome. Loki, he's the coolest guy in this, this guy's, game. This guy rocks. Absolutely. He's cool. He's level-headed. He's kind of like Ox from Breath I mean, of Fire This One. is a, an audio podcast, but I always remember of him putting up the finger yes. when he's going to cast a spell. Yep. He's the man. Exactly. I love this guy. Uh, he has less... He, so it's weird because he actually occupies a similar role as Bao. They mm -hmm. both have healing magic. Rand is a little stronger, but he has less AP for spells. Mm -hmm. Bo isn't as... Whatever. Isn't as strong, but he has more AP to cast healing magic. Mm -hmm. uh, Rand is cool because he can roll around the overworlds. And yep. while he's rolling, you do not get into random encounters. Got it. Which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. So it's a way to bypass the, uh, the the encounters later on in the game. I mean, so next on the character <laughs> list, uh, we have Sten, the womanizing monkey. <laughs> This guy's a treat, man. Uh, <laughs> Jesus oh Christ. Oh, God. He's a, he uses knives as fast, and he has offensive magic. He focuses on fire and explosion spells. Doesn't have great AP. He'll learn some of his strong spells before Nina. Like, he'll learn most of his fire and explosion spells before Nina does. But eventually, Nina will learn the same ones. So, unfortunately for Sten, Nina kind of outclasses him later on in the game. And he gets what he deserves as a womanizing monkey. Yes, yep. exactly. I mean, you literally recruit him because he tries to go on a date with Nina or something. Oh, it's like, Jesus Christ. He puts Ryu in a hole. It's like, whatever. It's really weird. It's so weird. Uh, his out-of-battle ability is he can extend his arms and reach across cliffs. <laughs> I'm not sure how that works. He has go-go to... gadget arms. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. Uh, next, we have we have Gene. This guy's the man also. I love this guy. He's a bipedal, fat, regal-looking medieval frog with a rapier. Mm -hmm. He learns a variety of sport support spells, a little bit of healing magic, but nothing super useful or essential, although he is one of the first characters to learn warp, mm -hmm. which is very useful, takes you to other towns, because as we said, the account rate in this game is super high, mm -hmm. so you're going to want to warp to towns if you can. He essentially is a frog prince guy. Yes, yep. exactly. Um, I love him because he's funny and hard. He's really hard to hate. Yeah. He's not super good in combat, but mm -hmm. he's just very lovable. Um, and one of the, <laughs> he lifts his eyebrows when he attacks. He goes like, mm -hmm. it's really just, funny. <laughs> you could turn into a giant frog in the overworld to swim around mm -hmm. and whatnot. Uh, the last character is Spar, also known as the grass man. He's mm -hmm. found at the circus. You can mm -hmm. actually encounter him. You just can't recruit him until later. Um, he's kind of like Gene where he has a lot of support abilities and some minor healing and offensive magic. He's not great with physical attacks, but he's a better supporting character than Gene. Mm -hmm. Um, and he can be a backup character, backup healer if necessary. And he tends to be like your go-to for boss battle support character yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and much like Bo from Breath of Fire 1, he can walk through forests, which yeah. you cannot do without him and you need to do it in that section of the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, the last thing about characters that I'll mention is there is a fusion system in this game where mm -hmm. you can fuse shamans to different characters to give them different abilities, sometimes even change their form. Uh, some characters become incredibly powerful with them. Mm -hmm. Characters like Nina, 
she's powerful with it, but does she really need it? Not really, because mm -hmm. she's already pretty strong. But a character like Jean, if you soup him up with a bunch of shamans and he's he changes awesome. forms, he becomes amazing. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, with shaman infusions, if you A, become, uh, get to like, we call red HP or you get low HP, your your fusions revert and you have to go back and do them yep. again. Mm -hmm. Or in cutscenes, mm -hmm. this is especially bad if you take a bunch of fusions to the final dungeon because the Infini cutscene will get rid of your fusions. Yep. So you have to get out of the dungeon and go back and go all the well, way through. Well, it's probably through. on purpose because it would be too easy. Probably. But to me, mm -hmm. I was just like, that's fucking annoying, man. Yep. So before we get on to Breath of the next Breath of Fire game, what was your preferred party in Breath of Fire 2? Um, that's a good question. Wait, isn't... I could be wrong. Isn't Blue a secret character? Oh my god, I isn't totally, that right? I totally skipped over Blue. Isn't, yes, she's technically you. a secret character in Thank this game. You. Yes, you're right. I yep. totally skipped over her. Yes, uh, you can miss her, but she is another spellcasting character like yeah. Nina. And well, she's I mean, very powerful. I think your party tends to be what it tends to be Ryu, Nina, because she's an offensive mage. Yeah, Cat and mm -hmm. Spar, or Cat and Rand, because Rand's the man, so you just have him because he's the shit. Absolutely. I think um, if you get Blue, you probably put her in the party. To go with uh, Kat and Nina. Yeah. And also Ryu cannot be taken out of your party in this game. Yeah. So he has mm -hmm. to be there. But yeah, I mean, I like using Sten, even though he's kind of a prick, but eh, he sucks. He's, at the end of the game, he's just not very good. Mm -hmm. You have any anything else you'd like to say about Breath of Fire 2? Yeah, I would on? say it's probably one of the more like adult themed yeah. RPGs that, mm -hmm. you know, I guess from that era. Yeah. It, it, this game's kind of fucked up and it bizarre, is. especially it playing it as a 10 year old. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I, I actually regard this as like, I think I, I I always hesitate to use the word underrated when mm -hmm. it comes to games. I think this game is. Yeah. I think if I'm a, if I'm remembering correctly, this game holds like a a seventy ish, seventy three ish in terms mm -hmm. of like game rankings, Metacritic, sure. that sort of thing. Uh, to me, that's kind of low yeah. for a game like this. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I would I put this game in pretty high regard for at least a you know a ga uh, a Game Boy Advance cartridge. Yeah, I think exactly. this game's pretty good, man. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think. I think underrated is a good word for it. A I think it's bit. even underrated in this franchise. I think so. It gets overshadowed by the game we're about to talk about. Ugh. Breath of Fire 3. So before we get into it, Breath of Fire 3 was their big hit. I find that hard to believe. It was, well, I say a hit, you know, in Breath of Fire wise. This yeah. was their, this is what they put all their money into. I also Breath find that 3. hard to believe. Yeah. Uh, the translation is better. It's not great, but it is better. <laughs> yeah. Although it's really hard to be worse. <laughs> so I guess, I don't know. Um, it's a definitely a more ambitious game than Breath of Fire 1 or 2. And we'll get to this after we review all of the games, but this one is considered by fans to be the best one. I don't agree with that. Yeah, we will continue. get to if, if uh, we agree with that statement later on. Um, Technically, this game is connected to Breath of Fire 1 or 2, but it does not mention the events of Breath of Fire 2 at all. Okay. Um, some people um, some people like to say that some characters who can turn into demons are a reference to Death Evan, mm -hmm. but there is no, no one ever actually says Death Evan mm -hmm. in the game. But it is directly related to Breath of Fire 1 because of the mural at the beginning of the game. It actually shows your party from Breath of Fire 1 okay. facing yeah, off yeah, against yeah. Myria, mm -hmm. which is or Tyr, which is kind of cool. Um, and of course, at the very beginning of the game, when I thought this was a very entertaining intro, you wake up as a little tiny dragon and then you just mop the floor with, uh, 
with Magu and Bo, just yeah. like right off the bat, mm-hmm. who is actually named Gilliam in this one. Got it. They had so, enough characters this time. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, there go those two. They're just yep. fucking vaporized. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if that's actually them or if that, because, you know, this game is allegedly many, many years yeah. later, but, mm-hmm. you know, semantics. It's like an Easter egg. Right, exactly. So the the premise of the game is that the it's the in the age of machines, high tech society machines prevented the desert of death from consuming everywhere else in the world uh, via. Des- I, I have a very desertification. Different- Thank you. I have a hard time saying that word. Uh, the goddess Miria, she couldn't stop the people from killing each other. So she decided to split the world in two, leaving the desert of death on one end with the machines and then the regular human society. Well, I say human. There's a lot of different yeah. races uh, and the regular society on the other side. And she mm-hmm. basically just throws machines um, via a black ship. So um, so the other side will get uh, technological help. OK, mm-hmm. that is essentially uh, the split of the game. And on the right side of the world is where life flourished, while the left side of the world is essentially dead aside from machines. Yep. Um. So. After you, as Ryu, after you break free of the chrism as a baby dragon, and after, you know, what's that uh, Always Sunny meme I just started blasting? Yeah. That's basically what he does. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, he runs into two characters, two thieves, Ray and Tipo, and they take him in, and that's how the story begins. Um, I actually think it's a pretty effective intro. Um, it was, was it comical? Absolutely. But I said, yeah, you know what? Let's go. This is Fuck funny. It. I'm into it. Um, so the mechanics are actually a bit different than uh, Breath of Fire 1 and 2. Um, of course, the major one is this game is three dudes in a line and not four, and not dudes four in a line. dudes. There's in a three line. dudes this time, <laughs> right? For some reason during that time frame, RPG started going three dudes instead of four. I don't really know why. Anyway, therefore, there are less party members in this game. Um, a change that I really like is the major overworld is an encounterless zone. Mm-hmm. So you can zoom across the world map as you want to mm-hmm. without getting into random battles, which is very nice. And you dive into little micro areas where you can then get into battles and visit towns and mm-hmm. whatnot. You can, man, um, this is something that we are going to differ with. I think the, this is a weird phrase I'm about to say, the breath of fire community on. <laughs> I didn't know there was one <laughs> until neither. recently. Yeah. Um, there is a master's system. Um, it's, you go to different people throughout the game and you can choose to take, uh, they, you can choose to have them be your master and you, when you level up, you can it alters your stats and whatnot. I so know you have essentially some- like you, if you go under the tutelage of a master, you can change what your what your stat growths are. Yeah, but it's not well defined. Mm-hmm. Like who does what or what's better. Yeah, and like I went through most of the game using none because I didn't know you could do this. And then yeah, I-, I don't know. It's not really well defined, and it's really irritating. I think for me, um, if you go into the tent, it tells you what the masters you've unlocked do, as in like stat. Yeah. upgrades mm-hmm. but in order to learn the skills after leveling up you have to go back and talk to the master yeah i don't i don't understand i think that's obnoxious very um and honestly i think the master system is cool in it's a cool idea i think it's good of them to introduce something like that yeah but i think it's just executed very poorly and it doesn't hold up well in terms yeah. of annoyance. i almost wish it was a little bit more limited mm-hmm. like ryu can use the ryu can use these it's yeah like, i feel like it's so open-ended to the point where i'm just like i don't understand which one is better or what yeah. i should do i don't understand like i don't mind it from a creativity standpoint yeah. like you can make ryu a mage if you want to which is kind of cool but like I said, I don't like having to go back and visit these masters. I yeah. think that's annoying. And that's, I don't know. It's probably just a relic of the time. If yeah, this probably. game was made today, you wouldn't have to do that. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, another thing is uh, 
I don't know. I want to see if you like this because it's one of your favorite systems from Final Fantasy, the Blue Mage system. Blue Mages are my guys. Exactly. Is this the first time Blue Mage my my affection for Blue Mages has come up on the show? I it may have it, it actually. Might be. Yeah. Those are my guys. Yeah. Learning monster abilities. Yeah, exactly. So you can choose to examine monsters in combat, and if they use the certain abilities on you, you can learn them. Yeah. I think that's fine. Pretty I cool. have no issues with that. And you can transfer abilities per person using something called skill ink. So, mm-hmm. like, if Ryu learns an ability, but you want Nina to have it, you could just transfer it over to her. Yeah. Which is cool. I don't mind it. I think it's inoffensive. You can choose to use it if you want or not. Mm-hmm. Totally fine with me. Um, my favorite system in this game is the Dragon Genes. Yeah. With Ryu's dragon powers. Um, unlike Breath of Fire 1 or 2, you don't just get a dragon form and that's it. You find genes scattered throughout the overworld and in dungeons and all that. And you can mix and match them to make different kinds of dragons, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty freaking yeah, It's cool. almost like make your own dragon. Pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly. You can, I mean, you can do standard stuff. If you choose like fire gene plus something plus dragon, you get fire dragon. Yeah. But if you do fire, thunder and frost, you get a special dragon. Yeah. I can do mm-hmm. all three kind of attacks. It's pretty cool. Um, you can get some really fun ones by the end of the game, like half dragon, half human hybrids, yeah. which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. There's also some joke ones. Like there's one where you're just like a little worm and you can't really do anything. Yeah, it's it, like, really fails. It's really funny. Yeah, but I think that's pretty cool. Um, but uh, I hate to end the uh, mechanic section on a bad note, but we have to talk about this. Mm-hmm. The mini games are so bad. I hate they this shit, dude. So bad. I hate this shit. I spent an hour trying to get the fucking water from that well, man. Yeah, that man. Me too. Sucked, dude. I hated that shit. It's so bad. Um, yeah, the mini games in this game are terrible. There's some that are fun in theory, but they just take too long. Oh, it's so annoying. Like the one where you have to train that guy to be a good fighter. Oh my like, God. In theory, I thought it was cute at first. And I'm like, how many times do I have to do this? They couldn't have done this in a cinematic. Yeah. Or yeah. like maybe I do it once and I train him and it's kind of cute. Yeah. Fine. Mm-hmm. But no, it goes on too long and I do not like that. Um, uh, as moving on to the presentation, the art style changes a little bit. It looks a little bit more, I say modern. It was made in 1998. But this it looks is a PS1 like, game. Yes, it's so. a PS1 mm-hmm. game and not a Super Nintendo game. I think it looks great. I think the colors are great. All the characters look great. Yeah. They're very expressive. Um, and I think I think they did a good job with the graphics as usual. And uh, the OST is especially strong. I believe I said in in the chat once. Listen, man, the only thing getting me through this game is that world map music. Otherwise, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm out. I, I can't yeah. stand this yeah. game. Yep. Um, and the other thing, the camera is atrocious. Yeah, it's terrible. There's a way to move it around, but it's unintuitive and bad. Yeah. And they always hide things yep. where your camera can't quite reach. Yep. It's like, not great. You have to it around. And I'm like, I hate this. Yeah. Why didn't you just give me a free roaming camera? Well, it was also a game of that time. Yeah. Right? Maybe the, the late 90s. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Either way, I hated it. Yep. Uh, I hated the camera. Uh, the story and characters. You know, it's really funny. Um, as I'm reading the story about this game, the story is way more interesting reading it than it is actually playing it. Oh, I was so bored. Yeah, I, that's literally my very first uh, bullet point. It's an ambitious story and it's very melancholy at times, but I found myself really bored playing it. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was looking for a boat the half the game. Yeah, half the game you're looking for a boat. And then it doesn't work. <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Ugh. Um... But anyway, the game starts where after you're with the three, the two thieves, your house is set on fire mm-hmm. and then uh, you're all separated and you start an adventure with just Ryu and Nina. Mm-hmm. Um, they escape into the castle dungeon and after a whole bunch of filler content, you meet a man named Gar and he's going to tell you the truth about Ryu and his dragon powers. So once you get through an entire section of the game, which has a whole bunch of shit that I don't think anybody really cares about, you recruit Gar into your team 
who they always do this with the names. His name is Gar and he's a guardian. Great. Yeah, Cute. Of course. Of course. And he takes you to a place called Angel Tower. Mm-hmm. Now, Gar's thing is he's a dragon hunter. He doesn't tell you that. Ah. He tucks you to Angel Tower because he wants to kill you because mm-hmm. his job was to kill all the dragons. Yep. And this is a pretty cool piece of character for him, which I'll get into. He fails to kill Ryu. Ryu defeats him in single combat. Yep. You do fight him one-on-one. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And then you get to a very interesting time jump. It takes about 30 seconds and Ryu is an adult. He's naked. (laughs) (laughs) And Gar finds him naked and afraid in the mine where you first started the game. It's really weird. It's weird. It's kind of funny. It's pretty comical. Um, I think the final areas of the game are actually very good. Yeah. Um, the desert of death is a pain in the ass to get through. Uh, but I do think like gameplay and story wise, it makes sense. It's just so irritating. It's irritating to get through. You have to like face the right directions and follow the stars. It's another fucking mini game. Yeah. It's basically a mini game and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. Kyrzan. Yeah. Kyrzan. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Is the final location of the game which is a technologically advanced and deserted town left over by the goddess Myria. It's really cool. I think the app, it's super atmospheric. They did a great job with this dungeon. And you finally meet the grown-up Tipo, who is the same as Ryu. He is a dragon. Yep. And he asks you to submit to Myria because he has, you say no. I don't believe you have a choice. Mm-hmm. You say no. And you have to kill him. Mm-hmm. This was probably the one standout story moment. Yeah, for, probably. Well, actually, him, this and the Gar moment were the standout story moments for me. Um, it's it's not the final dungeon is not quite as epic as Breath of Fire Two. It's more of a melancholy feeling, mm-hmm. which I get why they did it. You know, they don't want to do the same thing twice. But I just feel like the ending of Breath of Fire Two is stronger and feels better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there are two end. There are multiple endings. There's two of them. They're not very well thought out. You either submit to Miria, give up your powers and let her retain control of the world, which ends the game. Or you say, fuck you. And you fight a God. Games do this too much. Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. I know. Um, so I don't feel the game had a ton of standout emotional moments, but I did like the villains, uh, Balor and Sunder, the Mm -hmm. two horse guys. Yeah. They do uh, fight at the beginning of the game. You know, this game is the epitome of like pa- what they call the power positions. I think the beginning and the end are great. Yeah. Everything in the middle is kind of just, a, oh the, my God. The middle is just such a slog. It is. It really is. Um, Like the part with Gar being a guardian, you figure out that the dragons willingly submitted to yeah. the guardians, which is pretty cool because you learn Gar doesn't learn any dragon slaying abilities and he loses to baby Ryu. Yeah. Which makes a lot of makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Gar never had to kill a dragon at their full strength because they didn't fight back. Right. So it makes a lot of sense. I just remember that conveyor belt town sucking ass. That, ugh, I'm trying to get that out of my memory. Why do people think this is the best one? Dude, that I don't fucking know. plant, man. Oh my God. It's so God. annoying. I remember there's one part in the plant where the, the town is called plant. because it's a power plant i think you have to ride these conveyor belts to get anywhere and there's one part where you have to like unleash greenhouse gases or whatever and you have to throw rocks onto the greenhouses but you don't actually throw them you have to get a specific party member to kick them if you don't have the party member with you you have to go all the way back through the conveyor belts to the end to change party members i'm like oh my god stop this game is so irritating oh i was so irritated by this should we do characters and then then end this one yep so first, of course, game features a fantastic cast of characters there. I can't help it. Even if I don't like the plot of this game that much, the characters are great. Mm-hmm. You have Ryu, of course, which we've talked about extensively by now. Same guy. Dragon. He's the same guy. He's easily your strongest party member with very little effort as long mm-hmm. as you find some dragon genes. 
Uh, the next party member is Ray, who is this absolutely fucking shredded tiger man yep. uh, who is a thief with high agility. He also has a transformation ability called the Wear Tiger, which makes him uncontrollable. But you can actually learn the skill called influence to control it. Pretty mm -hmm. cool. Next is Tipo. I believe this is the first time in this series where they give you a party member who becomes a villain. Yeah. Um, he's with you in the beginning of the game. He's kind of a mage. But then once you leave him, he never comes back to your party. Yeah. Which is kind of neat. Um, next is Nina. Again, like in two, she's an offensive mage. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, offensive magic is not very good in this game. Yep. So the combat becomes kind of boring. You're just physically attacking people all the time. Um, next, everybody fucking loves this character, Momo. <laughs> uh, do what's so funny? Wasn't yeah. there some like scary meme called Momo? Oh my on god, the internet you're right. or something? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I, anyway, I don't think there's any relation. But ugh, now just, she's a woman with a with a rocket launcher or something. Yeah, she got like she got bazooka. Yeah, she's a human engineer in a giant coat with a bazooka. Mm -hmm. Um, she misses a lot. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was really funny. Uh, I read on the internet everybody loves this character. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why does everybody love this character? She's not that good. And then I ended up using her in the final party. Yeah. Like, All right. I guess there's a reason. Um. Her, she can actually destroy obstacles with her bazooka when she's leading the party, which is mm -hmm. kind of neat. Next is Pico, who is literally an onion. <laughs> <laughs> this is our guy. Yeah, this is uh, you get this guy in the power plant side quest. He is like some imbued onion. He's literally an onion. Yeah, he's literally just an onion. Turns this big, bulky, strong man in combat, and he's incredibly tanky. Has some of the best attack, defense, and HP stats in the game. And honestly, the way he walks in the old world is fucking adorable. He just jumps around. He's amazing. Now, I love this guy. He un unironically becomes the best character in the game because he is the voice of the world tree Yggdrasil and he saves the party from being Thanos snapped yep. at the end of the game. Everybody starts disappearing and he's like, hey, Miria, what's up? It's me, Yggdrasil. And she's like, no, <laughs> it's me. And it's the fucking it's me, onion man. <laughs> The fucking onion saves the day. I cheered. Yeah. I honestly cheered when that happened. That was the best. This guy thing rocks. Happened. Yep. Actually, there's a standout story moment. Pico, let's go. Yep. Uh, the last party member you get is Gar, who we said he is a guardian, one of the last ones, and he has a reputation <laughs> of being very strong. He's a huge hulking guy with wings. Kind of ironic that he looks draconic. Mm -hmm. Makes his return in Halo 5 Guardians. Oh, I'm my just kidding. God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, his move is that he can move heavy objects when he's leading the party. Mm -hmm. Kind of ironic, you know, never successfully hunted a dragon. That sort right. Of yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. He never mm -hmm. actually did it because they all just willingly submitted. He mm -hmm. thought he was facing them at full strength, but he never did. Interesting. And he never gets any anti-dragon abilities. I mean, there isn't much more to say about Breath of Fire 3. It's just really annoying. It's really annoying. Um, I mean, I like Gar. I said in that chat, the only things keeping me going are Gar, Pico, and the overworld theme. That's basically what kept me going in this game. I um, I really don't know yeah. why fans think this is the best one. Mm -hmm. I think two is the best one, mm -hmm. but I don't know. I mean, I, three, it's, fi it's fine. Yeah. You, I think, you and I kind of had the same opinion, right? It's yeah. Fine. Three is fine. I just thought the majority of the game was just filler content looking for a boat. Yeah. Like, I get that the it's more ambitious. I like what they did with some of the mechanics, like Dragon Jeans. Mm -hmm. But I was just bored playing through a lot of this game. Yeah, me too. Unfortunately. I, I mean, maybe it didn't help that I played this game later in life than I did Breath of Fire 1 and 2. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. Either way, we're going to move on to the next game mm. in the series, Breath of Fire 4. Yeah, suck a little bit about this one. Yeah. Breath of Fire 4 is uh, uh, the next game in the series, and it came out around year 2000. 
It utilizes a similar engine to Breath of Fire 3, and Capcom has never said that this game is connected to the others, but there are fan theories and some returning characters, like Momo and Bunyan are back as masters. Mm -hmm. And um, the one fan theory, which I actually kind of like, is Breath of Fire 4 has a lot of deserts, mm -hmm. and because at the end of Breath of Fire 3, if you choose to kill Miria, you allow the desertification of the world to happen. This is the result of what you did at the end of Breath of Fire okay. 3. I mm -hmm. think that I think that's Makes a pretty sense. good yeah, pretty good connection. Um, like Breath of Fire 3, the game is then split into two halves: the Western Fu Empire, which is modeled after China and East Asia, and then the Eastern Kingdom, which is what we're used to in Breath of Fire. Um, dragons are now called Endless, and which is what people like Dies or Dace were called yep. in the prior games. They play a big role in the world. Um, one of my favorite things about this game is you get a little bit of dual point of view action between your main party of Ryu and the other characters and a solo adventure with the game's primary antagonist, Fu Lu. Mm -hmm. So you play as the villain or some would argue the game's tragic hero yeah. in this mm -hmm. game, which is kind of cool. Um, so unlike Breath of Fire 3, while it has three characters, you can swap them out mid-battle. Breath of Fire 3 does not allow you to do that. And characters in your reserve as in not actively taking part in battle, art can still do things, which I think is Interesting. pretty cool. I've mm -hmm. never seen that before. I don't think I've seen that either. Yeah, which is kind of neat. They have some different skills that can trigger. When you're not, when row. you're in the reserve row, you can do stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly, exactly. It's kind of neat. Um, much like three, the encounter, the encounter, sorry, the overworld is an encounter less zone, um, but it's a, the overworld's a little more limited than in three. I think they ran out of money. Mm -hmm. um, mini games are back. But they are better than in Breath of Fire 3 because you don't have to be perfect mm -hmm. to advance. I don't remember having as much difficulty with the mini games in this game mm -hmm. as I did in 3. Unfortunately, they did not change the master system at all. It yep. functions very, pretty much pretty much the same. Some of the bonuses are a little different, but you still have to go to and fro to the same annoyances of the master system is still present in Breath of Fire 4. Yep. Unfortunately. Um this game presents more of a subdued color tone than mm -hmm. the very colorful Breath of Fire 3. And the OST is wild. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. Um, I like that it changes between Ryu and Fu Lu. Uh, the official OST describes it as it's mostly classical music, but with Fu Lu's themes and battle songs, uh, they resemble traditional Japanese and Chinese folk music. Interesting. Which I think is pretty cool. Okay. And just like Breath of Fire 3, the camera fucking sucks. Yep. yep. It sucks ass. It's awful. So let's quickly uh, blow through the story here. Yeah. So the game starts with Nina and Cray, and they find Ryu in a crater in a desert. This guy finds himself in a lot of craters. Yeah. And, poor yeah, Ryu, man. Poor <laughs> He's also totally naked. <laughs> this game likes to do that. Just... Naked and afraid, starring Ryu. <laughs> starring right. Ryu in a desert. Uh, now running parallel to Ryu's story, what I alluded to earlier, the other point of view is Fu Lu, who is an ancient emperor who also awakens at the same time as Fu Lu. Mm -hmm. And he says... I am the emperor. I'm going to reclaim my throne. Unfortunately for him, uh, they don't want to give him the throne anymore. Mm -hmm. So he has to go through this himself. Mm -hmm. um, as a story progresses, it becomes clear that Ryu and Fulu are intricately entwined. And the key to Ryu's memories are through Fulu. And the key to Fulu's power is through Ryu. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. Yep. Um, I thought it worked really well because the two parties play so differently. Yep. You don't play solo very much in the majority of Breath of Fire games. Yep. And with Fulu, you control, you kind of control a boss character yeah. who has to face off against hordes, yep. which is pretty cool. And I like that. Um, I really love the final area of this game. It's, the, 
it's not it doesn't have a cool name it's just called the imperial castle mm-hmm. um the dungeons mostly suck but the final dungeon is really cool um and the music is pretty freaking cool too so let's go ahead and talk about the ending real quick because i think the ending of this game is fascinating okay you get the standard you have to make a choice at the end of the game you ryu and fulu finally meet at the end of the imperial castle and ryu says all right um, depending, I'm sorry, not Ryu, F- Fulu and Ryu were talking and depending on the choices you make, either Ryu, um, gets super powered and you face off against Fulu who turns into his dragon form or Fulu absorbs Ryu and you must fight your party as the final boss. What the fuck? Yeah. And you can end the game like that. Wow. That's pretty cool. Mm. I-, I haven't done this personally, but yeah, if you choose that ending, you become the final boss and you have to face off against your party. That's cool. Which is really I've never cool. done that. I've never done that. I've never seen a game do this before. Yep. Pretty freaking cool. Mm. Um, so that's pretty much the story. Um, unfortunately, uh, I like this game a lot and I like the story, but um, it kind of stops <laughs> after like act two. Yeah. I think they ran out of time or money because mm-hmm. they like the major antagonists just start kind of disappearing and you never hear from them again yep and i don't know it, it just feels like the game is unfinished yeah which is unfortunate mm-hmm. um so let's go through some characters shall we yep so playable characters we have ryu who is the same thing yep. as the other games yep um dragon forms are a little different they allow him to use magic instead of dragon genes or anything like that again nina is a healer and has a couple of different offensive spells um Cray is next. Not only does he rhyme with Ray, but he also looks similar. He is a tall, absolutely shredded tiger dude. Uh, well, cat, I should say. Mm-hmm. Feline S. Someone on the localization team is being cute on purpose yeah, here. Pretty yep. much. Um, and he just has a giant club. Okay. Yeah, giant mm-hmm. club. Uh, this is my favorite character, one of my favorite characters in the game. His name is Urshan. Um, they are a sentient suit of armor with a weird speech pattern that sounds robotic. They speak in third person, and whenever they talk to you, they say, we should go this way, says Urshan. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a major spoiler, but later on in the game, it's revealed that Urshan is actually housing the spirit of Dias, Yep. which is really funny. And when the fire, uh, the power finally awakens, he be- uh, Urshan becomes a powerhouse of a character. I, w- I thought this was absolutely hilarious when it happened in game. I did not expect it at all. Yeah. I thought mm-hmm. it was awesome. Uh, the next guy is a sword fighting mercenary dog named Sia's who instead of using Bushido, uses Bushi dog. <laughs> Getting a little tired of the cute stuff. <laughs> uh, he is uh, home to some of the most powerful weapons in the game, and it was actually cut due to censorship in the US, but he is actually an alcoholic. They cut that? They cut him being an alcoholic. They didn't cut the womanizing monkey. No, they didn't cut the, uh, the womanizing monkey, but they cut the alcoholic dog. Okay. Yeah. That's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, next is a character that I know really nothing about because I did not care for her whatsoever. She is one of those, um, enemies turned party members. Her name is Ursula and she uses guns. Um, and she is trigger happy. She is my least favorite party member to use because I'm not a fan of all arounders and gun users in these kinds of RPGs. And of course we have to talk about Fulu, who is not a party member, but a character you control. Um, he's at a massive level compared to the enemies. And his sections are usually pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but later on, I got KO'd a couple of times. It's not not always easy. Mm-hmm. Um, funnily enough, he is weak to fire. Huh. Okay. Which you wouldn't think. Um, 
And uh, the last thing I want to say about this game is <laughs> the fucking music for the final boss is wild. Mm. You should look up this OST if you've not heard it. It is insane. I guess hat tip to the team who made the soundtracks for these yes, games, right? Kind of. Absolutely. I would say the soundtracks to these games are kind of unheralded too. I would say right? so. No one yeah. really talks about these. No, not really. They're not good. Really. All right. Now we are moving on to what is going to be called a pivotal and controversial change and entry in the Breath of Fire series. Okay, here we go. So listen, the next game is Breath of Fire 5 Dragon Quarter. Mm -hmm. This game is really strange. Yep. And we actually, Nick and I played it for the first time like a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I had always heard, like, it's very odd. It's very yep. different than the other ones. It's an RPG, kinda. but it's kind of a dungeon crawler. It's mm -hmm. very odd. But my opinion is, I think this game kind of rules. I do, too. Yeah, but <laughs> once you start. All right. So I actually really like the premise of this game. Yeah. Um, where you're forced underground uh, because the above world is considered uninhabitable. It kind of gives me a Metro Exodus vibe. Yeah, you're trying to get out of this underground. Yeah. Yep. Um, there are genetically engineered beings called dragons, and that's why you cannot go up into the sky, mm -hmm. uh, into the overworld, I should say. And they are ruled by an oppressive government who implemented a caste system called D-Ratio. <laughs> Not T-Ratio. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, one of the funniest moments that we, someone like said you have low D. <laughs> We got, oh man, we got low, Ryu's got low teeth. Sorry, <laughs> oh, gotta get on low teeth therapy. It's <laughs> oh, unbelievably funny. So bad. Oh my god. Oh my god. But yeah, uh, D ratio is. <laughs> I can't take it seriously. I anymore. can't either. Uh, basically, the lower your uh, D ratio, the lower you go underground, where the air becomes borderline poisonous. Yep. And of course, our guy Ryu is a low D guy, <laughs> and he has to live very far underground. Mm -hmm. Um. So humanity uses genetic engineering to solve food and air issues. Mm -hmm. And they're, ca they're called genics. Animals are, uh, genics are animals produced uh, for various tasks by the over overarching organization known as BioCorp, not mm -hmm. BioWare. Yep. Um, also an evil organization. Yeah, I'm that's kidding. true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes the genics escape and go feral. And those are the enemies that you fight throughout the game. Okay. Uh, the Ranger organization makes a comeback from Breath of Fire 2. Wow. Back to being Rangers. Uh, they're developed to work as a milita military police force to put down rogue Genix and keep the government peace. Um, essentially, you you start the game as Ryu and Bosch going to take down some feral Genix. Um, Ernie, Ernie Bosch Jr. Ernie Bosch Jr. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <Okay. laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, and at a certain point during your little quest at the beginning, you become separated because someone fucking blows your ass up. Yep. Um, and then you find Nina, mm -hmm. um, who was really kind of fucked up. She was made to be a human air purifier, <laughs> which wow. is really fucked up. Yeah, this game's like kind of fucked up. This game's really fucked I kinda up. I kind of like it. I kind of do too. Yeah. Um, and to prevent to prevent Nina from speaking out, they, uh, they as in the oppressive government, made her mute. Yeah, okay. So she is the mute character instead of Ryu, which is interesting. Change. That's right. Ryu is typically a silent protagonist. He's not. He has line. I'm I'm I say voiced, but he actually speaks lines in yep. this game. Mm -hmm. Um essentially and then you meet Lin, who is, I think, coincidentally the person who actually blows you up. Yeah. You become friends and party members. And then Ryu and Lin want to escort Nina to the surface to save her. 
Yep. That's essentially the premise of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, next, the game incorporates something called um, it's the dragon system, where as soon as you get the dragon powers, every time you use the dragon powers, your D meter goes up mm-hmm. and it also goes up with every step you take. Yep. Which I think that's pretty cool because the game wants to give you a sense of urgency. Like you got to get to the surface. Yep. And this gives you that sense of urgency. It's really cool. So um, what what I loved about this mm-hmm. is d- dragon powers are incredibly powerful, but if you use them too much, your D meter is going to increase. Yep. And we should talk about this too. Mm-hmm. If your D meter hits 100%, it's game over. It's game over. Yep. yep. You actually get a very violent scene where the dragon, I don't know how to- Erupts oh. from you. Yeah. And it's like, bleh. Yeah, it's Kind of gross. gross. Ryu screams. The dragon is like sad because he wants to help you, and then he just killed you. It's really weird. Yeah, it's. Do you know what this up. reminds me of? Well, yeah. Another Capcom game. Yeah. Do you remember um, the PS2 Resident Evil games that were online? Oh yes. Where you have a uh, like a virus buildup meter, yep. and you have to beat the game before it hits a hundred. Yep. Exactly. Uh, it, it's very similar. Yeah. Maybe some crossover there. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, the other really cool system is the restarting system. Yeah. Where this game is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, we were getting through it. It was tough, but we were getting through it. Mm-hmm. Um, this game, because it's so overbearing at times, and if you're not perfectly equipped, you may have to give up mm-hmm. and you may have to start over. What this game allows you to do is restart at save points where you can use up spent experience to level up your characters. You get something called party experience, which carries with you if you restart. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically you resume the state of your last save, but you have party experience to pump up your characters a little bit more to give it another go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is pretty cool. It's almost like getting to restart again with all your levels. Exactly. Intact. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. You can also choose to restart the entire game. Yep. Um, which some people say, if you get through the beginning, you may not have to restart the whole game, mm-hmm. but if you get really screwed, you should probably restart it. Mm-hmm. And I believe the game expects you to at yep. certain points because it does get very hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we were pretty capable at this game. Yeah. We, we did a good job. Yeah, I mean, we also, uh, quote unquote, co-opted it. <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, you did the exploring. I did the battling. I navigated. You fought things. <laughs> yep. I walk. You fight. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever phrase I was using. Right. Yep. So what we should say, speaking of battling, the battle system is totally different. It's cool. It's cool. It's like a pseudo tactical RPG kind of thing. You know, it reminds me of uh, Mm -hmm. kind of ahead of its time. The combat system kind of reminds me of the Divinity Original Sin games. It does. Your AP is used up when you walk and you 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 then have to use up your remaining AP to attack Mm -hmm. and your AP comes back every turn. Yes. It's almost like there's like a little like, should I save it? Should I use it? It's cool. It is pretty cool. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, I think some people don't like the combat system, which, okay, I get it. If you're used to Breath of Fire turn-based and that's what you want, I can see why you wouldn't like this. It's good. I like, think it's pretty cool. You, I was, do- I, you know, I think maybe we were turned off from playing this game because fans don't like it and yes. it also didn't review well like the rest of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, I think the battles were kind of cool. You can do combos. You have Ryu who uses swords, Lin who's got guns, and Nina's got magic. It's cool. You can do combos. Like, I remember we were doing combos, pushing people into fire pits. Yeah. Like, it's pretty cool. I actually kind of, but we like that tax, tactical gameplay like kind it. of thing. Yep. So eh, maybe we're a little biased. Yeah. Um, well, finally, this game gets positive bias. I know, right? Jesus. <laughs> um, the game presentation looks a little bit different than the yeah, other Breath of Fire games. Very it's different. cell shaded, yep. which I'm not the biggest fan of cell shaded graphics. I think it looks fine, but they're it's not fine. my 
thing, really. Yeah, not my thing, but yeah. it looks fine. Yeah, like Ryu looks totally different than how, and Nina looks totally different than their prior um, incarnations yep. of them. Um, now, a really fun fact about this game: the highest D ratio that one can achieve is one out of four. Dragon Quarter. Oh, cute. <laughs> I think that's where the title well, comes from. Well done. From. Yeah. So I, I'm like, that's cool. That's pretty cool. Um, the only the only detriment to the presentation that I'll say, I don't recall the OST being any good. No, this game yeah. is definitely kind of one of those mid-2000s, early 2000s games that it doesn't... It's kind of a hallway game yeah. where, you know, you're. it's not an open... Well, I wouldn't call the original ones open world, but you know what I mean. Yeah. It's not an open world game anymore. You're going hallway to hallway. There's... It's... You gotta... It kind of looks... I, I, I say this in a funny way. It kind of looks like a shitty Final Fantasy X. It kind of does. Yeah. 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 You're pretty right about that. So I guess in that, in that vein, the music is very subdued because yeah. it wants to be creepy. It wants you to like... Honestly, I felt very oppressed playing this game. <laughs> I feel like it, that's the point where yeah. there, there's kind of some give and take here where mm -hmm. it plays a little bit like a dungeon crawler and it's very linear. Yeah. But you're trying to get out of this underground. So yep. it makes sense, but I don't love it. Right. But even though the, the game is cool, yeah. it, it's interesting. I think for me, the premise of the game is really cool. Yeah, I do I too. like the different systems like D ratio and the dragon counter are really cool. That's They're, really cool. Yeah. Um, I've never played a game where if you walk too much, you die. It's cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I like it where, yeah, you can use dragon powers, but it could cause you to have to start the whole thing over again. Yep, it's exactly. cool. Pretty cool. And unlike other games, there are only... No. technically four, but there are only three major playable characters being Ryu, Nina, and Lin, because as we suspected, Bosch turns traitor. Ernie Bosch Ernie Jr. Ernie Bosch Jr. <laughs> turns traitor, and he <laughs> gets dragon powers of his own to try and stop you from reaching the surface, mm -hmm. and he becomes uh, the game's final boss. Mm -hmm. um, but that's really all I have to say about Breath of Fire 5. Um, we are going to say one sentence on Breath of Fire 6, Breath of Fire 6 is a universally hated game, came out 10 years after Dragon Quarter, and it was a primarily online mobile game. Ouch. Uh, yeah, um, this game came, was released, and then was discontinued before I even knew it existed. Yep. So that's as much you need to know about this game. Yeah, so Fire Emblem, uh, Fire Emblem, Fire. Breath of Fire 6 technically exists, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it technically exists, but for the purposes of this, we can forget about it. You can't even play it anymore. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. whatever. So let's get some uh, final thoughts about Breath of Fire. We kind of mentioned this a little bit. Greg, what are your, what, if you were to rank the Breath of Fire games, what would you say? Wow. You know, before I rank these, yep. these games are good. Yeah. And they fill a very specific gaming hole that mm -hmm. I enjoy. Yeah. Where it's a JRPG, but it's not over the top silly and stupid yeah like i have a, a funny phrase on the show which i get i think some people i get made fun of for but i uh -huh. i think it's funny yeah uh, i i say like i don't like anime bullshit <laughs> and this game it's one of those classic jrpgs but it's not but not in an over the top anime -y animated sort of way it's kind of serious and kind of fucked up and weird i like how you say that because the graphics are definitely anime style ish but I would say the anime bullshit is very limited. Minimal. Very minimal anime bullshit, which is a thumbs up from us, even though we love games like Fire Emblem. Yeah, but, but I, yeah. I think like rankings, Yep, it's probably... That's yeah, hard. Are we doing all five? I feel like five is its own thing. Let's do Breath of Fire 1 through 4 ranked. Uh, 2143. 2143. Wow. 3 is the last one. It's so annoying. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I don't. What do you think? It's a tough one for two, me. Two, four, too. one, three for you. It's I don't a tough know. one because I. I mean, I'm gonna agree with you and say two is the top one. Two for has got to be the best one. I think. Um, people tend to say three is the best, but there we are part of the silent majority who say <laughs> two is the best one. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> We're, that's the only, only silent majority we're a part of politically, right. I think. Um, I would rank them as, man, because it's tough because I really enjoyed my time with Breath of Fire 4. Yeah. I thought it was really fun to play. I thought the music was great. I loved Fulu and the final bot battle of that game mm-hmm. was so interesting. I'm going to go 2-4-1-3. Yeah, yeah. I think that's reasonable. Well, like, I think I said 2-1-4-3 yeah. and you said 2-4-1-3. Yeah. Yeah, because for me... Listen, everybody who loves Breath of Fire 3, listen, I get it. I get why maybe you thought this game was good 20 years ago. <laughs> it has not aged well. It's really bad. I was really bored and I was really annoyed. It's, <sighs> I'm not saying Breath of Fire 2 has aged super well either. The beginning of that game is very hard and very annoying because of all the encounters. But I think it's just more interesting. So you're more inclined to finish and it. And I also think Breath of Fire 2, I just think, is a more enjoyable RPG mm-hmm. to play. It is. I don't is. know the systems that are in place. There's no yeah. master system. Yeah, there are a lot of random encounters, but that uh, JRPGs have that. Yeah. But like for I me, like I, too. I think it's so I think the game's just interesting and you want to push through the random encounters because especially in the beginning, you want to save your guy, Bao. Yeah. You want to save him. You want to beat Baruberry. Two feels more personal it than does. the other ones. Two, you know, I'm glad you said that. Two is a really personal journey. Yeah. I mean, you can fight Baruberry solo. It's with awesome. Ryu. I, you feel like you're Ryu. And the running sequence on. rocks. Yeah. The only running sequence I like. It's so in cool. Video games. It's so cool. Um, it's a great scene. Dude, fuck it. Dragon Court is the best one. I I'm just mean, Okay. Honestly, though. Okay. Let, let's. I think Dragon Court is pretty good, man. Um, it's, it's so different than the other ones. It's hard to rank, but I think Dragon Court are kind of rules. I do too. I was really stressed playing it. No, but, I, we should. Before we move on yeah. from Breath of Fire, mm-hmm. I know we have some other uh, final thoughts here. Yep. Um, what I love about Dragon Quarter mm-hmm. is that it's also really challenging yes. and they it's really well balanced. Mm-hmm. Like I agree. I, we were really you and I had a lot of tactile conversations about, you know, items are limited, mm-hmm. a lot of cons- it's all it's very consumable based. There's yep. almost oh my god, ink ribbons are in the game, <laughs> That's right. which is amazing. Yep. You can't save whenever you want. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah, I think um to anyone uh listening who may have heard and not played Dragon Quarter because of the fan backlash against it. I recommend giving it a shot. I think it yeah. might be better received now than you know it what? was then. I've read that too, that I, it, it was kind of ahead of its time. Yeah. Because like now roguelikes are very popular. Yeah. I'm not saying Dragon Quarter is a roguelike, but it has some of those elements, you know, restarting, things like that. I think it would have been better received if it was released today. Dude, like if I told you Divinity Original Sin, you can only save using ink ribbons and it's a dungeon crawler. Yep. It's like. Oh, what kind of game is that? Right. I might want to play that. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. I mean, I think Dragon Quarter is a big recommend from me. Yeah. Um, what other final thoughts did you want to maybe ask uh, the the duo panel here? Let's see. How do you think this series is looked upon? Nothing. <laughs> no one knows what this game is. Mm-hmm. Like, unless, unless you really like specifically the title mm-hmm. of this episode, which is Capcom RPGs. Yeah. You don't know what this franchise is. You mm-hmm. didn't play these. Yeah. Like, uh, as of recording this episode, like, I'm about to turn 30. Yeah. Like, um, you know, you're in your 30s. Mm-hmm. If you're in that age group, you may have played this on Game Boy Advance yep. or the Super Nintendo. No one cares about this franchise. It's true. It's true. Which goes into my last point, last final thought. We always want to talk about the legacy and the future of these games. Does this series have a future or is it dead? No. Yeah, like, I think it's dead. I, I 
I would be shocked. Then again, Deadly Premonition got a sequel. So That's maybe true. there's like hope for anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, Nintendo Life did a Capcom revival poll. Obviously, it's not an official Capcom poll. Did this poll well at all? Yeah. Um, what? They, they pulled all of the dead franchises from Capcom. I'm not sure what their criteria for dead franchises, but there was a bunch all of them, them on I'm there. I'm kidding. Right? <laughs> Go ahead. It came in third. There might be some fan interest in a reboot of the franchise. Wow. But that's surprising. I, I don't think we'll ever see a new Breath of Fire, but I think remakes and remasters might cool. be in the Dragon game. Quarter remake. Let's go. Let's go. Let's oh, do wow. it. I mean, hey, the first two games are on Switch cool. and Super Nintendo versions. So if you were to rate Breath of Fire as a franchise, what would you give it? As a franchise? Yes. It's like a B. All right. B minus. I like that rating. Right? Yeah. I would, would you agree? Uh, yeah, 8 out of 10, B. Yeah, I'd yeah. say so. Yeah, I would With say. With some give and take, depending on which one you're playing. Because I don't think any of the games are truly bad. None of them are honest. bad. None of them are like kick ass. They're pretty good. Exactly. Um, exactly. So now we are going <laughs> to. So we're moving on from Breath of Fire. I can't believe we're going to get into this game right now. I can't believe I this. really can't. But because uh, Dragon Quarter has a similar system to this game, and because technically it is an RPG, we are going to talk about Dead rising i can't believe we're talking about this greg why don't you take this away so um i so we're, we're not going to speak too much on dead rising because we may speak on the franchise in mm. the future as a whole yeah so um just so the fans kind of know the structure of this episode mm -hmm. so we're kind of going chronologically through capcom's rpg history mm -hmm. and dead rising and dragon quarter kind of exist right right yep. sort of at a similar moment so we're going to mm -hmm. talk about dead rising next yep um, I'm just going to say a few sentences. Mm -hmm. um, so the crossover between Dragon Quarter and Dead Rising. There was a feature in Dead Rising that uh, I generally folks did not like, mm -hmm. which is um, you can hard lock yourself out of finishing the game very easily mm, yeah. uh, because the game is time-based. You have three days to uh, solve the mystery of the zombies in the mall, mm -hmm. and then the game is over. Yep. But if you are not at a certain place in the mall at a certain time mm. to, to see the mission, you're screwed. I can see how you, you have like to restart that. the game. Mm -hmm. But what's cool about it is they did the Dragon Quarter thing mm -hmm. where you can restart the whole game with all of your levels and skills intact. Now, I, I didn't know that they took it from Dragon Quarter until we were researching for this. Yeah, apparently some of the team members who worked on Dragon Quarter went on to work on uh, Dead Rising. Interesting. So there's a lot cool. of crossover there. Yeah. So cool. the, the thing about Dead Rising, so we're going to talk about the franchise as a whole, so I'll try to be brief. Mm -hmm. I really like the first one, and I like it from, I like it as a serious game. Sure. I think this game, I don't, I don't, I hate saying that people enjoy it for the wrong reasons, because that's mm -hmm. not fair. Mm -hmm. You should be able to enjoy it for whatever you want. Yeah. This game was advertised, I remember the ad, in a mall yes. filled with zombies. I do too. And people are just like, wow, I, you literally have a zombie kill counter. You yeah. can kill tens of thousands. And, but this game is actually very serious. Mm -hmm. Like they try to tell a story about like American consumerism mm -hmm. and how like the cure for the zombie virus caused scientists to have to make zombies to make it. Mm. It's interesting. And I really liked how um, beating the game and getting the true ending the first time is incredibly hard. Mm -hmm. And so you're probably going to have to restart it once. But what's cool about it, the game can only be six hours long. Because ah. each day is two hours. Oh, so I see. You're, you don't have to do a ton of retreading to get the real ending. And there are actually a couple of worthwhile endings, even if you don't get all the way through. I think the game is really good. 
So before we move on to other Capcom RPGs, you do level up in Dead Rising. Yeah. You, do, you get skills, your stats increase. That's why we included it in this episode. And there's crossover between the teams that worked on Breath yeah. of Fire too. Uh-huh. So it kind of makes sense. Um, and so w- with Dead Rising, I think this, people might make fun of me for this. Okay. I really think you should go play it as a serious game. Mm-hmm. Um, what, the last thing I'll say about it, what I enjoyed about the first Dead Rising as well, the... Um, it was very well known for you can pick up almost anything in the mall and kill zombies with it. If sure. you want to throw soda yep. cans, you want to pick up benches and chairs. Yeah. What I like about the first one is there's no combo systems. You mm. can't like manufacture like goofy arcadey weapons. You could only use real world items. You find a baseball bat, you can you swing use, it. Exactly. Mm. You don't put spikes on it and stupid mm. shit. Okay. I thought it was a little bit more grounded. So I think it's actually a cool, I think Dead Rising is a serious game that mm. people don't take seriously. Because it's pretty, it's pretty yeah. interesting that you mentioned that because a lot of people, when you see videos of Dead Rising, it's usually how to get all the zombie kills at or once. How to how kill 52,000 zombies or whatever. Yeah. That's really not the point of the game. Which is pretty interesting. Yeah. That's cool. I, maybe that's a, I think that's almost like a, almost like a, a positive hot take for me. Yeah. You should play it as a serious game. Hmm, I like that. Um, We're not going to ask you for a grade on Dead Rising because we may do another episode on dead rising as a whole yeah also was the first xbox 360 game that i had i think that we we got it on christmas day with gears of war that's a nice little memory i think we should move on here let's move on the next um the next series in the capcom rpg chronology is Mega Man battle network hell yeah hell yeah i'm so excited to talk about this this game fucking rules now aside different from what we did in breath of fire we're not going to go through each individual battle network game we're going to talk about the series as a whole and some standout mechanics and story-based moments from the series because one of the detriments of the game is that they're all very similar. Yeah, I should say that this is a franchise. Yeah, you said yeah. it was a game. It but is a franchise. It, honestly, it could very well all be one game. They all operate very similarly. Yeah. All right. So, uh, funnily enough, um, this is a spinoff of the Mega Man series. I have only played Mega Man spinoffs. I have never played a real Mega Man the- game. The quirk of goddamn GameCube <laughs> continues yep. on this, where we really like the Mega Man spinoff games, and no one else does. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think for good reason, this game is viewed in this game. I did it too. This series is viewed in pretty high regard. Yeah, um, which is good. These games are very good. Um, the first one came out in the Game Boy Advance 2001, and there were six total games in the series. Oh, my God. Seven if you count uh, Network Transmission. We'll not, we will not be talking about Network Transmission today. Um, but <laughs> Network Transmission is funny. It's like a spinoff of a spinoff. Yeah, I don't I, know. I don't know either. They love their spinoffs over at Capcom. Yep. All right. So essentially, the premise of the series is you're in a parallel universe from the original Mega Man series. And the internet internet is an integra- is an integrated everywhere in society, kind of like how t- we are now. T- I was going to make that point. Yeah. So the internet is integrated into every part of our lives, kind of like 20 years later today, right? where it is. Because keep in mind, this game came out in 2001. Mm-hmm. Jack, uh, going in your fridge having internet wasn't mm-hmm. a thing back Pression then. Pression sort of game, I guess. Yeah. Today, it, you, can, again, you can tweet from your fridge if you really want to. Hey. Yeah. Um, so essentially, the game... Um, Everybody has internet navigators called net navies or navies. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you use them. It's such a funny name. Now you're called jacking in. Yeah. You jack in to various places like your fridge and you set your net navy out to go and hang around and you can bust viruses and do all that good stuff. 
And yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, essentially, like how this game plays mm -hmm. is you run around in the real world as a kid named Lan. Yep. And you do all the combat inside the internet as Mega Man. Yes. So why don't you take it from there? Yeah, exactly. Um, you have a device called the PET, the pet mm -hmm. system. It also, it's so funny. This game was pretty cool at uh, forward thinking it was because it also functions as like a cell phone. Yeah. Which, I mean, they had cell phones in 2001, but they're Smart not. device. Yeah, it functions as a smart device. I hope Capcom pats himself on the back for getting a lot of this stuff. So only pat on the back I'll ever give them. <laughs> this is when they were good, okay? Yeah. Um, so the first game is relatively limited um, in what you can do with Mega Man. Um, the game operates kind of like as a chip system. So that's how the battle goes. You're on a, um, you're on a grid, sort of. And you can uh, you move Mega Man on his side of the grid via these little squares. And you can shoot people with the buster. Or you can use what's called a chip. You want to talk about chips a little yeah, bit Yeah, so it's hard to sort of, uh, I think it's it's easier for folks, if you're interested in Mega Man Battle Network, to look at some gameplay. Yeah. It's tough to describe the combat system. It's a combination of a deck building system mm. and also real-time combat. Yeah. And if you played Radiant Historia, yes. they also do this. Yeah. It's a grid, it's, think of a grid-based combat system, but it's in real time. Like a six by three it's grid. A, yeah, Mega and, Man yeah. can move on a six by three grid. Enemies can move on a six by three grid and your standard attack is shooting the buster gun mm -hmm. but when you're when you have this meter that fills up and that's when time stops and you can select a bunch of cards in your deck to essentially use your special abilities basically it's land giving mega man chips from the deck to use yeah and then you can use those chips in real time mm -hmm. using your deck in real time yep. it's for the i tend to get turned off by deck ba deck based systems but don't let this turn you off mm -hmm. it's actually very cool because yeah. the real time combat i think is is actually pretty fun right mm -hmm. and later on the game you can have different chip folders like you yep. can designate different chip folders for different theme cards that you have which is kind of cool yeah it's cool you can get some good organization it's good um after battle network 2 the game started employing what we like to call the pokemon strategy where they released two versions yeah so like battle network 3 is three white or three blue four is blue moon and red sun five is proto man and colonel and six is Psybeast Falzar versus Psybeast Gregar. Mm -hmm. uh, usually the differences are very minimal. I think they did that to get people to try and buy both. Yeah, of course. <laughs> didn't, not, really, didn't really work. No, not, not really. <laughs> but essentially, uh, the plot of these games usually revolves around a cyber criminal organization, typically the WWW, <laughs> which is pretty <laughs> which funny. Which is really funny. <laughs> Headed by, of course, Mega Man villain Dr. Wily. Yep. Um, Typically, it involves, as you said, Greg, Lan walks around the overworld and you jack Mega Man in to various places. Computer that act, devices. Yeah, that act as dungeons and yep. you start virus busting. Yeah. Essentially, they, you fight computer viruses. Yeah. Or other people's net navies, which is pretty cool. Um, if, after Battle Network 2, the game starts to get a... I mean, sorry. After Battle Network 1, starting in Battle Network 2, you can start to customize Mega Man a little bit more. Like you start to get things like styles. Mm -hmm. um, he can take on, Mega Man can take on an element, mm -hmm. which changes uh, what his buster attacks look like. He can charge the buster, create flamethrowers or yep. create whirlwinds, depending on the style that mm -hmm. you get, which is kind of cool. It allows you to sort of have a specialized Mega Man. Yep. And it gives the gameplay some replayability. Mm -hmm. The game some replayability, I should say. Yep. Um, after Battle Network 3, due to story reasons, Mega Man can no longer style change, but he goes into similar systems called Double Soul and then uh, the Cross system in Battle Network 6. Mm -hmm. So they work a little bit differently, but they kind of achieve the same ends. Mm -hmm. It's sort of what we mean when we say these games 
they're, while they're different games, they employ very similar They're very similar. Systems. Yeah. Um, I think the presentation of this game is good. They yeah. Look good. Um, it's cute. It's, um, I don't know, not much to say about the graphics. I think it's cute. And the OST, Capcom usually nails its OSTs, and this these games are no different. There's, There's a, a lot of singable moments in these yeah, two. Yeah. The main theme is great. Well, we should say this game kind of plays. It's not top down, yeah. But it, you you're not moving the camera around. Right. right, it kind of moves for you when you're moving around in the mm. world versus the internet. Yeah, it's it's hard to describe. Like, yeah. it's kind of an anime art style. It's right. kind of a static gothic style, kind of yeah. put together. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So um, now we're going to get into the story and characters. So there's a ton of characters. So we're just going to go into some of the main recurring the quick breeze. Yeah, through the main recurring characters in the franchise. First is, of course, your main character and uh, protagonist, Lan Hikari, who is the son of the famous scientist, Yuichiro Hikari. He's typically a middle uh, elementary school kid. <laughs> I don't understand this. I love that. Elementary school kid goes to fight these criminal organizations. Yeah. Um, he is in fifth and sixth grade during the entirety of the series. He is impulsive, lazy, rude, and always wakes up late. He wants to be a famous net battler someday. And it's kind of funny, the similarities between him and Pokemon's Ash Ketchum. <laughs> He's kind of like the, the shitty Ash Ketchum. Yeah, kind where of. Where Ash Ketchum is like very, what, upstanding and nice. Exactly. And then Lane is kind of lazy. <laughs> He's kind yep. of lazy. He's kind of a dick sometimes. Yeah. And then you have Mega Man, or as he's known in this game, it's Mega Man.exe, like he's an executable file, which, which is, is kind, great. Of, kind of funny. That is Lan's Net Navy, and he does all the battling. He is the polar opposite of Lan. He is polite and often reminds Lan on, hey, you actually have to do homework and yeah. such. One of my favorite reveals, this also goes down as one of my, my favorite gaming memories, mm -hmm. is in Battle Network 3, it's revealed that Mega Man is actually Lan's twin brother, mm -hmm. whose name is Hub, Lan and Hub. Kind Cute. Of thing, um, who died shortly, af shortly after birth due to a heart condition. Mm -hmm. um, his father put his soul into the Navy Mega Man, yep. and he was able to live through the net navy yep so you're actually brothers kind of like the nostalgia brothers segment exactly yep. it's kind of cool because these games are typically funny and quirky yeah and you get a very nice emotional moment and yeah and it kind of unexpected yeah, yeah i thought it was pretty cool it's really interesting you actually get a little a little bit of foreshadowing in battle network 3 because when you're at the seaside hospital um Mega Man is able to instantly recognize someone suffering from the same condition that killed him. Interesting. Which is pretty cool. Mm. Um, next, we're going to go uh, male, sa sa male Sakura or Sakura is Lan's childhood friend. And if you like romance, he's the she is the love interest. Right. Sure. Uh, her net navy is Roll, who is a recurring Mega Man character. Um and who is also Mega Man's love interest. Perfect. I don't know if ne Navis can do that. I don't want to think about it. But yeah. if you're into romance, this is the only romance subplot you get mm -hmm. in these games. Uh, it's revealed at the end of Battle Network 6 that Lan and Mail get married at the end of the series. Um, Roll uh, is typically considered the support character and yep. healer. You typically don't see her fight anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, the next character, his name is Dex Oyama. He's great. I love this guy. He's basically a arrival of Lan who's just not as good as him. A lot of Pokemon comparisons here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he can really never beat Lan. Uh, he's an important support character like ma like male in overworld plots and puzzles. Often when you're walking around, it'll be with male and Dex. Yeah. Um, his net navy is Gutsman, mm -hmm. who can be usually is a practice dummy. Mm -hmm. You can battle him with Lan just to get a feel of the game, mm -hmm. um, and he'll get stronger as the game goes on. You can really test your abilities on him. Uh, he becomes the mayor of 
the main town, which is called ACDC Town. Which is really funny. Right. I don't think it's because of the band. No, it's but. definitely not. <laughs> but pretty funny. Uh, the next guy is Eugene Chaud. He is the rival to land, another rival to land, and an official net battler, and he is extremely strong. His net navi is Proto Man, who is another recurring Mega Man character. Yep. Proto Man's pretty cool. He's a super powerful net navy with a sword. Um, occasionally they're rivals and they have to fight against each other, but sometimes him, uh, Lan, and Eugene will have to team up to take down some of the stronger foes and mm-hmm. villains. Uh, next is Yay, I'm going to butcher this, Ayana Koji, who is uh, an eight year old in fifth grade and a genius, comes from a rich family, and her net navy is Glide who is the, the only net Navy you actually never fight. Yep. He's basically a butler. Um, again, like Dex and like male, she's typically involved in overworld segments of the game. Uh, the next character is your main antagonist of the series, Dr. Wily. Yep, very iconic Mega Man yes. guy. He is the founder of the WWW criminal organization. It's called World 3, not, you know, World Wide Web. But That's really funny. <laughs> That's great. Um, he isn't in every game, but he's always connected or the mastermind behind every cyber criminal organization you take on. So he is definitely the big bad of the yep. series. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a vendetta against Lan's father and he wants to destroy Mega Man. The two were him and Mega Man's father were rival scientists. Yeah. Essentially. Uh, next is Bass or Bass. I'm not really sure what the, which one they're going for, but he is a solo net navy and a major antagonist throughout the series. He is considered the strongest net navi in every single game. He it's kind of this was the only kind of fucked up thing about Battle Network. He wanders through your favorite place and favorite name, the Undernets. That's my favorite shit. <laughs> Where I it's so funny. Mega Man Battle Network, I took one thing from this franchise. Mm-hmm. They call the dark web the Undernet. Yes. And I say that in real life. I do too. Like I use that term now. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of an undernet thing. Right. People are like, what are you talking about? I think Undernet's a better name than Dark Web. I do too. It's kind of fun. But yeah, he wanders the undernet and absorbs data of deleted viruses. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind, mm-hmm. of, kind of fucked up. He's kind of a vampire sort of guy. Um, essentially, he's used as a super boss most of the time. Yep. Except where in Breath of, uh, Breath of Fire, yeah. in Battle Network 3, he plays a pivotal role in the story by being tricked by Dr. Wily into reviving the final boss, Alpha. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically, aside from 3, he is a super boss. Yep. Um, so we're not going to go through the story of each individual game. Yeah. But... Do you want to go through some memorable story moments or would you like me to go first? I mean, I think for me, it's got to be, I, I, you probably have notes about this. It's yeah. got to be when you, in three, when you find out that they're brothers yeah. and then you fuse. Oh, that was so you, cool. You can talk about it. Yeah. It's got to be that, right? I, yeah. That's really my my standout moment. The ending of, of I keep saying Breath of Fire, yeah. of Battle Network 3. Yeah. Uh, there is a system where if Lan gets on a chair and jacks in that way. Uh, he sends like a holographic or hologram version of himself into the internet with Mega Man and they can fuse together. It's like the two brothers actually meeting face to face for the first time. Yeah. Again, it's an emotional moment that you don't get a lot from this series. So when it hits, it really hits. Yeah, really you don't cool. expect it. And you team up with Mega Man to fight the final boss together, uh, Alpha. Which is cool. Which is a really cool boss. Um, now at the end, this continuing through the ending of Battle Network 3, once you beat Alpha, who is incredibly difficult, by mm-hmm. the way, I think that was the hardest final boss in the series for yep. me. Um, Mega Man actually sacrifices himself uh, to make sure Alpha is deleted for good. Mm-hmm. But he comes back in the end credits. They found his data 
into the uh, in like Alpha's files or whatever, and they're able to bring him back, which is why he can no longer style change because yep. his data was different. Got it. Since that day, it's actually uh, kind of a um, kind of a cool theory here that um, that Mega Man like I okay the theory that I've read. This series is supposed to end after three. Okay. And that's why Mega Man was going to die. Okay. But then they were told, hey, no, no, no. We got to get more. Yeah, okay. And they're like, ah, shit. Okay. Shit, he's coming back in he's, the credits. He's coming back. Here we go. Yeah. That's a fun theory. I don't know if mm-hmm. that's true. To me, it's true because four is considered not very good. Yeah. But who knows? Um, Aside from this story moment, I loved all the different net navvies you fight. All the different bosses, essentially. Yeah, they were so cool. Um, I, I loved ones like Shark Man and Bowl Man. Yeah. Bowl Man literally has bowling pins and like yep. throws bowling balls at you, and Shark Man's literally a shark. Yep. Did you have any uh, standout ones that you remember? Yeah, so I actually remember some from the first game. Yeah. I, it was so funny. Yeah. Like, there there was one like called Bomb Man. <laughs> he kinda, Not Bomber Man, no. but Bomb Man. He kind of reminds me because there's also a Bomb Man in... Um, Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> Remember that guy? Oh god. They're I just do. they're both I just do. kind of these quirky yeah. weird like uh explosion guys. Yeah, I love it. Um I also I kind of was it the Color Man or Cloud or uh, Clown Man in the oh, first game something yeah, like yeah, yeah. the Creepy. traffic lights. What I thought mm-hmm. was cool about mm-hmm. Mega Man Battle Network is I really, you know, we were kids when we played this. Yeah. I really like the contrast between land solves puzzles. Yes. And Mega Man does the combat. Mm-hmm. I remember finding it so cool how you progress the story as land. Yes. And, but as Mega Man, you do all the fighting. Yeah. I was really into that. Yeah. I thought that I thought was, was cool, cool too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, I mean, I think it's a pretty cool way to do like a dual protagonist. Kind yeah. Of thing. It's cool. Cause land's definitely the main character, but Mega Man also is too. And you get both of their points of view of every situation. And this game is cool. good. Yeah. 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 The series is good. It's not just uh, yeah. one game, even though it could be, it could, should be. Yeah. yeah. All right. So getting on to the legacy of this franchise, the series is finished. They yep. said it'll be done after six. You got an epilogue. Everything is done. However, here we go. go we are getting a legacy collection. You know that means they're going to make a seventh one. Oh, right? well, maybe. It's coming. Yeah. So the Mega Man Battle Network legacy collection was announced by Capcom about a month ago, actually. A month, wow. of this re- month ago of this recording. And it's coming out. There's no official release date, but we know it's coming out sometime in 2023. I can't believe like us wanting to do this episode. We thought of this idea before they announced this. Yeah, exactly. And it becomes very relevant. Yeah. Like they announced it in like June this year yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty great. Um, the collection not only comes with every single game, but it also features an art gallery with over a thousand pieces of art. Wow, that's cool. And a full-on sound room and music player. That's cool. Which is pretty cool. Um, you mean you know I know they're gonna charge 60 bucks for this. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm ten dollars a game. I'm yeah. not buying it, but no, I don't think so. I mean, if I already own them. They're gonna dude, they're gonna fucking get me. They're gonna release some special edition yeah. for 60 bucks, and they're gonna get me at a weak moment. Yep. I know what's gonna yep. happen. Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, well, anyways, so do you have any final thoughts about the Battle Network series? Yeah, I actually think this game is incredibly unique. It kind of stays on brand for me where I really like the spinoff Mega Man games. Yeah, I really like the combination of the real-time combat with a deck-building system, with Mm. a grid-based system. We love grids on this show. We love grids. We love grids. Big grid, guys. It's really unique. Yeah. And I, I don't know why, I'm not saying this game is poorly received Mm. if you're a Mega Man fan you don't like this game definitely not not. Um, but I think you should play it like if you're an RPG fan or an action game fan Mm -hmm. you like that handheld sort of niche you should play it yeah I think so I think there's a um, there's a very loyal fan base to this series even fan games have been made yeah because you know Capcom said it was over Mm -hmm. I mean obviously I I 
forgot about Star Force. Whatever. Which is, yeah. A spinoff um, of a spinoff. Yeah, a spinoff of a spinoff. It's kind of a spiritual successor of, uh, of yep. the series. But yeah, I mean, I think these games are great. I think my favorite one is three. It's got to be three. Not sure what you think. I like the first three. Okay. Yeah, I also I think, kind of like the sixth one too. I, for me, I think three is the best. I like two and I like one. Not a huge fan of four or five, but six I thought was pretty good. It's pretty good. It was a good ending to cap off the yeah, series. Yeah, one, two, three, six are worth playing. How would you grade the Mega Man Battle Network franchise? Seems like a B. Yeah. You, if you find me on a good day, like B plus. Yeah. I think if four and five didn't exist, this would be like an A minus series yeah. for me. Yeah. But because there are a couple of stinkers in there, I have to bring it down to like a B. Yeah. But I think uh, like if I were to rate them individually, I would say like three is the A and yeah. the other ones are kind of in the B. Yeah, but, of course. But that's me. So that is it for Mega Man Battle Network. Now, I think you correct me if I'm wrong. I think we only have one more game we're we going to talk about. Yes. And I don't know about this. <laughs> so okay. I, we have a very prescient podcast idea by you and I, honestly, yeah. because yeah. the next game we're going to talk about is Dragon's Dogma. Yes. And they also announced a sequel to this. Yeah. What is happening? I have no idea. I, let's get this. Let's really let's get this right off the bat here. Yeah. I don't really like it. Okay. Um, some folks in the gaming industry really like it. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about it. I don't want to, you know, rant about this forever. Yeah. Why don't you start? It's yeah. not a favorite of mine. I think um, I, I like this game enough. I'm not saying it's this like might be a favorite. more fair review. Yeah. Um, I think uh, this game is one of those where the mechanics are more interesting than the game itself. You're so right. Like the premise, the premise is kind of fine. You know, you are uh, you are awakened as someone called an arisen and your heart is devoured by a dragon. And every choice you make affects the game world as you hunt down the dragon to reclaim their to reclaim your heart. It was released in 2012, and there's an expanded version called Dark Arisen, mm -hmm. which is available anywhere, and it's usually very cheap. Yep. Um, I've been tempted to buy it for eight bucks. Yeah. I've been very tempted. It's also on Switch. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it's set in a high fantasy world called Grancis, and... You are a human protagonist and you're trying to go and defeat the dragon named Grigori. Not Gregory. Not me. Not you. Not me. Grigori. Um, a dragon that's said to herald the world's ends and you uncover a deeper conspiracy along the way. Uh, the, Capcom's aim with this was to create a more Western style RPG like Elder Scrolls. It's not. I, it's not. I can see what they tried to do. Looks wise, it, it looks is. Looks wise, it, it looks like it. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely not. So let's get into the mechanics because, as I said, the mechanics are way more interesting than what the game actually presents to you. Yep. Um. So it's an open world RPG. It's got nine vocations. They're all pretty standard stuff. You got your mage. You got your warrior. You got your ranger or yeah, thief sure. kind of thing. Um, you can freely change vocations and take augments to use all the time, but you can only use the skills and the battle abilities of the class you are currently in. Um, I actually kind of like the combat system. Yeah. They take a little bit from Monster Hunter, yep. where you can grapple on enemies and do some fun little tricks and stuff, which I think is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed the battle system. I'm not sure. I haven't played this game in a while. I'm not sure how well it's aged. It's, it's kind of one of these uh, action real time, and you can also pause and organize sure. sort of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I would say the battling is a lot more interesting than the rest of the game. Um, a really fun tidbit of this game is that it almost didn't happen. Um, the developer of the game, Kobayashi, felt like giving up due to all the problems the game was having. Okay. Um, obviously, he didn't because, you know, it. the game came out. Yeah. Um, some would argue that it probably shouldn't have come out. <laughs> but I, it's not bad. Yeah. It's just, let's let's keep talking here. Yeah. 
Um, so let's get on to the pawn system because that's really like probably the most interesting it's part kind of, of like game. your party member system. Yeah. So every Arisen has their personal pawn that you kind of create it like your own original character, except uh, the only difference is you can't give them a hybrid ability like okay. you can give your Arisen. That's really the only difference between you and a pawn. And they're also like kind of robotic sounding. They're human, but they don't really speak or act like humans. It's like they're on a set mission to do something. Um, next, uh, if you're playing online, you uh, other players can hire your pawn and you can hire other players' pawns to complete your party. So I think it's kind of cool. And then when you're done with them, uh, if you want to send a hired pawn back, you can send like a gift and a message like, oh yeah, thanks. He was great. Interesting. It's pretty cool. Um, what I really like about the hiring pawns from other players is they take their experience with them. Experience not meaning experience points. Experience with the game. Oh. If that specific pawn has completed a quest or they've faced the certain monster, they will come to your party already knowing the weakness mm, of the monster. That's cool. And they'll seek out ways to complete the quest. Like they'll say something like, hey, let's go this way. There's a lever over here. Interesting. Like they'll know how to do it, that's which cool. I think is pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so it kind of helps you along in your quest. I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and your personal pawn will also do the same thing. They'll gain knowledge as you yeah. adventure, as you kill things. Uh, they say the same quotes over and over again. I can still hear them in my head. Wolves. Is that the one? Is this? Yeah. I, I think there's been something I've been quoting from games oh, for like no. 10 years. Is it? There's much to do and, and not enough time with which to do it. Oh, is that? Is that this game or is that um, mm. Dragon Age? Ooh. I don't remember. I don't Someone remember in the either. comments tell me. Yeah. It's something like there's much to do and not enough time with which to do it. <laughs> I forget. But yeah, that they tend to repeat the same things um, a lot. Um, but yeah. So that's our, that's the pawn system. I thought it was pretty cool um, that you can hire other pawns and whatnot. Um, On to the presentation. I remember nothing about the presentation or the nothing memorable. I remember it being not very good. Yeah. Um, the... <sighs> Honestly, this is the part where the game kind of lacks the presentation and the narrative. The narrative is lacking. Um, go ahead. My biggest problem with this game, mm -hmm. it just feels like a bunch of game mechanics in a world of nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. Like this world is completely dead. Yep. Like there are no like good NPCs there. It's just, it's so bland. Like it's bland as fuck. Typically when I do research for this show, yeah. I remember some like some games, I'll remember place names, I'll remember characters. Like we just talked about Breath of Fire. I could name almost every single party member from that series yeah. just off the top of my head without researching it. This game, I remembered no NPCs. I don't remember anything. Except about the this. dragon, but I didn't remember his name. Yeah, so that's, like, I don't know. But anyway, this world is dead, and it's just the beginning is cool because you get your heart ripped out by a dragon, pretty sweet. And in the end, you face off against the dragon. But in the middle, there is a whole bunch of filler content. I just feel like there's no... This game, it's hard for me to put my finger on. Yeah. This game just does not have narrative structure or mm -hmm. a, or a, a compelling reason to get through it. No, it like, really doesn't. For like, what, 80% of the game besides the bookends. Yeah, right? you, yeah I, I, you know, I describe this game similar to how I describe Breath of Fire 3, yeah. where the beginning and the end are very strong. And, and the middle nothing. is just kind of there's nothing. nothing. It would have helped if the world wasn't as dead, if there are more varied monsters. You just face the same things all the and time. And like they this this game also does this thing where they tell you please complete quests during the day because yeah. nighttime is scary and dangerous. Yeah. No, it isn't. It's not that bad. There's no consequence. Maybe at the beginning of the game you might not want to adventure out at night, but there's not there's a There's like of, no emotional consequence to no. playing this game. It just feels very arcadey. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So let's get into whatever plot this game actually has. Strands, dude, does Quest 64 have a better plot than this? I think so. We're up there. Yeah, I think so. 
God. I mean, God. shit, a lot of games have better plot than this. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, uh, the dragon, his name is Grigori. He rips out your heart and gives you supernatural abilities. Okay. That's about okay. it. And now you say, hey, what the fuck? I want to kill you. And you fight. You go and fight the dragon to do it. So what's really interesting about the game is actually the endings, because there are a lot of different endings to the game. Um, there are, I believe, there's three, four main ones. The first one is um, Grigori offers you a choice. You can sacrifice someone close to you and become the Duke of the of the world or fight the dragon to the death. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Yep, you can become the Dukes of Hazard. Or you can- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. If you choose to sacrifice your beloved, which changes depending on which character you have the highest affinity with. Yeah, so whatever. I, actually, you might choose this because you probably have no emotional investment to any you don't of these give characters a shit. anyway. <laughs> yep. So Grigori honors the deal and he becomes dormant. Uh, the Arisen then takes credit for the victory and becomes the Duke of Grand Soren. And that's it. And the uh, the only, the really only interesting part of it is it's revealed that the prior Duke, it can be assumed that the prior Duke made this deal with the dragon. It's like continuing the cycle sort yeah, of shit. Exactly, exactly. Uh, the second ending... Um, which for some reason I wrote um, that you'll probably see it as part of the inning. A lot of baseball <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> Must have been watching baseball as I was, as I was baseball. talking about Dragon's Dogma. Um, the second ending occurs after you kill the dragon. Um, an underground tower known as the Everfall opens up beneath the major town of the game called Grand Soren, and it plunges half of the city into an abyss. Uh, the Duke blames you, the Arisen, and every and all the players the player's allies become foes. The game becomes very dark and it actually becomes interesting. This game is so weird yeah. where like this game is like 80% nothing. Yep. And the last 10% is bonkers. Yeah. I was like, after killing the dragon, I'm like, wait, what the fuck? That's not the end. Holy right. shit. Mm-hmm. So basically you jump into the Everfall, which is this really trippy kind of free fall thing. You encounter a godlike being called the Seneschal. Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah, Seneschal? Right. yeah. They reveal that they were a former arisen and they were tasked with overseeing the world. Now, the, the world is basically sustained by this Seneschal. Yep. But the Seneschal's life essence is fading and they need a replacement. So they send the dragon out to find a suitable Arisen. Um, and that is you right. in this case. Um, so the Seneschal offers the Arisen a choice. You either reject becoming the new Seneschal and live a normal life as just a regular old human, mm-hmm. or you take the mantle of a god. Mm-hmm. If you refuse, you're teleported back to the very first town and the dragon attack never happens. Mm. Oh, as if the dragon attack never happens. Red, pl- yeah. red pill, blue pill sort of situation. <laughs> Basically. Yep. yep. So the player is no longer the arisen and the pawn and your main pawn is gone. Mm-hmm. So the third ending is if you get to the Seneschal and you lose the fight to the Seneschal, you fall into a rift and you become the new dragon, it's, wow, which okay. is pretty cool. I was like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. So you become the new dragon to search for another Arisen. The reason being is you were not worthy to defeat the prior Seneschal, so you don't deserve to become the next one. Interesting. That's what they go with there. Ending four, the good ending. Well, good in quotation marks. Um, upon killing the Seneschal, the power is given to you, and you become the new one. Um, you're given this weapon called the God's Bane. Now... You actually get to run around the world as the new Seneschal. You can't really do a whole lot because you're this like godlike being. So you can't do a ton in the overworld, but you can choose to use the God's Bane to end your own life. Mm. And that makes the cycle of the Arisen break. Mm-hmm. Um, the player and their pawn are sent back to the first city, but 
you don't know where your player character is and the pawn. Oh, I'm sorry. I misspoke there. The pawn finds themselves trapped in the body of your player character. Huh. So the pawn becomes you. Mm-hmm. My interpretation is that the reason you created a pawn in the first place is there to take your body when you sacrifice your soul to break the cycle. You know, that's my that I would have given a shit if 80% of the game gave you anything to go on. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing to go on. That's kind of the game, right? That's really it. Honestly, we went through that pretty quick. Yeah. When I said that the mechanics are more interesting than the story. uh, Oh, my God. I was was right. I honestly, I don't even have a lot to say about this game where the combat is fun. I think playing the game, they do that system where like um, your maximum health decreases as you take damage and as you get downed in combat. That's right. Which is cool. Yeah. You know, it's reasonably challenging. There's plenty of classes and items to customize. Yep. But there's just, it's too arcadey for me. I think you get your like RPG, quote unquote, open world fix from this game. You know, you get your mages, you get your archers, you get your your main character. You can kind of freely swap between them. Mm -hmm. You get your equipment, you find items, there's dungeon crawling. There's some pretty fun monsters to fight. Yeah. I think if you're really into that sort of RPG, like, I mean, obviously these days, this game is very cheap. I think you should probably pick it up if you're into that sort of yeah. thing. It's just, you might as well play this game just mashing A to get through the dialogue and the story because there's, I typically don't say to do that, but there's nothing really this, here. This this game, you know what? This game made me feel like a pawn. Yeah, yeah basically. I, I, just, I just felt blank. <laughs> I felt played. I, I felt blank and I was yeah. just, ugh, I don't know. Yeah, they wanted to mimic. It's, I hate saying this. The mechanics are cool, but this game felt like a waste of time. Yeah, because like, I don't know, man. I don't. I just don't like playing that arcadey kind of stuff. Yeah, it, aside not my from thing. the first hour and the last hour, there's nothing. There's not a whole lot to it. I thought the online connectivity and the mechanics of the pawns were kind of cool. Yeah. Like, I like that other players' pawns can kind of show you around the world. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a neat way to interact with people. But I don't know, man. Like, I need a little bit of narrative. It doesn't have to be great. I think... I need something. Do you want to talk about, like, we're kind of talking about final thoughts already. Yeah, we're... we're, Do you have any more, like, uh, like, is there a final final question, final... What do we want to... This is the last game we're going to talk about, I guess. This is the last game we're going to talk about. So the last thing we talk about is the legacy. I think this game was relatively okay this game was way i I hate saying this game is way overrated was it okay it was i I had a feeling it was rated very way overrated okay if you ask me yeah i i I do too i mean i think it's okay it's fine yeah but anyway legacy hey we got a sequel i can't believe there's a sequel coming yes you know Um, i don't think the story can be worse i really don't here's the thing it's one of these games that i'm going to keep an eye on yeah because i'm guessing you know what you and i are going to talk about is what do we think of this sequel coming i'm going to keep an eye on it Mm -hmm. if you've got to put together an actual story and narrative about why we're doing this i cannot play a monster hunter again where i'm doing nothing like i can't do it like i mean in this game, what you do is you do all these random side quests until you find one of them that leads to the main story. It's, it's just it not, sucks. It's not a great structure of how you should experience the narrative of, of the game. I think, yeah. I mean, I think if you look at more critical reviews of this game, they'll be in agreement with us that playing the game is actually kind of fun. Like doing the battling is fun. Yeah. But the world is totally dead. There's nothing to do. Nothing there. There's no interesting NPCs. There's no interesting places to go. All the cities suck. Yeah. The only battle I really recall off the top of my head is the cockatrice fight. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. But that's it. I guess uh, let's go into final thoughts and grades. Do you have anything else to say about this? No, the world is dead. It plays fine. I'll keep an eye on the sequel. All right. Um, What's your grid? uh, I don't know. C? C minus? C minus. Okay. C? All right. What do you think? 
Man, I, I can't give this game a B minus. Like I can't do that. It's a, I C, definitely it's can't a give C it or a C minus. I definitely can't give it a B. I will say I did enjoy playing the combat and messing with the classes. You know me. I, I like that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I have fun mixing and matching classes and finding combos and all that sort of thing. But because everything else just drags it down so much, I'm going to give it a C plus. I think this is like if you catch me in a bad mood, it's a C minus. Mm. Catch me in a good mood, it's a C. Maybe it's a seven you. out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, seven out of ten. Six for me, but whatever. Okay. C minus. Yeah. Um, that's OK. So that's it for so, our game. We talked about a lot of games today. We did. Um, we should wrap because this yes. is probably going very long. <laughs> yeah. Um, so today we talked about sort of Capcom's history with mm-hmm. RPGs. Yeah. Um, I would like to see them make more of them. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, we didn't, uh, we purposely didn't touch on this, but you know, this is they made Oracle of the Seasons and Ages. Yep, Breath of Fire is good. Mm-hmm. Mega Man Battle Network rules. Mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't, you know, I didn't really like um, Dragon's Dogma, but they, I just wish they would make more games like this. Yeah, um, not like Dragon's Dogma, but it, you know, <laughs> well, they it, are, they are. <laughs> it's coming out. Um, I don't know. You know, Capcom's the kind of developer where, like, I give them a lot of flack, but they've made a lot of stuff. Yeah. And and, uh, some of it I have enjoyed. (laughs) I mean, I Um, would say I have more positive experience with Capcom than I do negative. They generally make a pretty good game. Yeah. Some of their depends on the franchise. Yeah. Some of their recent stinkers notwithstanding. Yeah. Most of the Capcom games I've played have been very enjoyable. I agree with you. I wish they would make more RPGs. I mean, I feel like they have a flavor for it. They do. In in some ways. I mean, if we're talking Breath of Fire, they were the pioneers behind some of this stuff. I know. Obviously, Final Fantasy and like Dragon Quest are kind of the new, new modern versions of them. If we're talking about games like breath of fire and if a game like that can survive these days yeah i don't know maybe the only real game that has any sort of what wide appeal or sales that has the four dudes in a line genre i think is dragon quest yeah other than that and persona kind of counts but not not really it's a little different yeah dragon quest is really that only style of game that is really prevalent in today's industry sure Mm -hmm. there's indies and other yeah sure sure but if we're talking worldwide appeal, it's Dragon that. Quest is it. Mm-hmm. So I think there's something there that Capcom can latch on to. Yeah, I think I so. No, I would like to see them remake or remaster Breath of Fire games. Dragon Quarter, let's go. Anyway, that would be sick. I think I think we're wrapping. Right? Let's wrap. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening. This was really a um, a warm blanket episode. I think <laughs> so. The Nostalgia Brothers uh, yes. will leave you for now. Um, so thank you guys for listening to Goddamn GameCube, and we'll check you um, and we'll catch you next time. All right. Thanks. Thanks everyone.